I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And with me tonight is the Chief Inspector, Brendan McAlinden, and our special guest returns for a second week in a row. I believe, according to Irish Illustrated, his name is Greg Fleming, <laughs> uh, and he writes for HundUund.com and is also the co-host of the Untitled Podcast, Notre Dame USC Podcast, and whatever podcast... What's the podcast name of you and Frank now, there, Greg? Single High. It's called Single, single high. high for Single, single high, high Safety. That's right. That's Your right. single love of Kyle. So the Single High Notre Dame Podcast by UHND.com. Very excited. I thought, I thought it had to do with the single high that Frank got from his uh, short... Short stint in the NBA playoffs this year. That was the <laughs> the single low. I had to talk. I had to. I had to talk him down over the uh, over the weekend. Just like, hey man, like it's okay. You know, I, we'll get through it. Because I I slack with him. So we, we he's, he, Frank. I he just needs a sounding board. He, and and it's fine. Like I understand. We're all like this. I'm like this sometimes. So it's totally cool. Um, well, we, but, we just start shooting off DMs at like two thirty, three. Yeah, and you just sometimes you just gotta you just gotta bounce it off someone and get it out of your system and let it go. And he was he was in that place. And you know what? That's you're a friend when you got to do that stuff. When you just okay, man, I'm here for you. I, I thought about I thought about responding to a tweet he had about your pod today with like, oh man, can't wait to to listen to find out how the. Sixers game went because I was up with a cliffhanger in the last one, and then I was like, "He likes me, and I like him. I don't know. I don't know what kind of place he's at." <laughs> so that, he's that one went in the, the car drive drive to uh, Ann Arbor place. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's got that Philly. I mean he's got that Philly anger everywhere. If he's willing to throw batteries at Santa Claus, right? <laughs> See, I've known I've known Frank 
ever since I started doing this stuff, like 2007, 2008, and I, and I, for all this time, what I have come to find is Philly people are really my people. <laughs> like they, they get it. Like there, it is not anything to them to fucking light a bus on fire. If they're <laughs> upset about a little something. And I am with that. I fall in line with that, uh, with that thought process. So I get it. I, I know what Frank's going through. It fucking sucks. The municipality uh, has to buy Crisco anytime a team of theirs makes the playoffs because they know they got to grease up those, uh, you know, street signs and uh, stoplight poles because the fans are hanging yeah. from. Them. One of my all time faves, uh, Philly Kelly, Kelly Bloor, I've known her forever. You know, obviously she's a Philly girl, big time Philly sports. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> So, so yeah, that, that uh, one ended up in the drafts. Did not send. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, man, there is a. I don't know. I don't know. There's been like a dark cloud hanging over me like the last like week and a half, but I just not been feeling anything. Like it has been. Like I, I dropped a big ass check off this morning uh, to the roofing people after we finally squared everything away. Uh, and that's just, that's not a good feeling. Like you never want to drop off that much money in one, one dump. One go. Just, and, I, and I've been kind of like dreading it because I really like the way my bank account looks <laughs> until you go drop off that, that big amount. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, I was needed some good news. I needed some good news. I was excited to get back on the pod today. Our little league team lost our, uh, our, our tournament. On Monday night, uh, kind of a rough game. We played that uh, that team more than anybody else, and had split with them. And then, uh, man, it just it, it in our league, the uh, you know you go six innings a little league. Kids can only pitch three three innings. We got, if not the best pitcher in the league, we got one of them, and he's fucking lights out. So after the first three innings, you know, we're we all season long, we've either been up or tied. And then it's just like, hold on to your ass. <laughs> next three innings. For, you were the for whatever you, you're you were operating Jim Leland's Detroit Tigers baseball team then. Yeah. Well, so, well, you uh, you, you yeah. had uh, Todd Jones Jim coming Le- out of the bullpen. Well, 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 with Leland's teams, it was always that that middle middle relief. You know yeah, what I mean? Zach Miners, your Chad you're, Durbins. Yeah. You're yeah, you're you're eight you're eight inning guy, you're not and you're nine inning guy. So we're usually pretty solid. Like Rodney was solid. Yeah, Rodney solid before, is before his arm out was was solid. But yeah, it's it's like the God, I can't even think of the guy's names anymore. It's a Chad Durbin uh was yeah, awful. It's six inning it's six inning Durbin is what you yeah. get. Yeah, like <laughs> When Kenny Rogers couldn't go because Kenny Rogers was like 75 and just couldn't make it another inning. <laughs> you get Nate Robertson uh, to throw you five scoreless with 120 pitches because the dude threw like right ball trash and then they brought in the relievers and blew it. Um, <laughs> or Bonderman catching was it Bonderman that caught 21 losses? Bonderman caught 20 in that faded uh, 2007 or 2000, not seven, 2014. Five. 
Now, it was the season right before. Was it five? It was the season right before we we took off for the series. Just eating L's. Or, or, or was it Marath? Was it Marath that took the Mike Marath? Uh, yeah. He took a lot of losses. Uh, he was on the all-time I, losing his team. Yeah, I mean those those uh, which we trumped <laughs> before, but that uh, yeah, Marath and Bodderman were good pitchers that just got caught a lot of L's, man. <laughs> a lot of L's. And it kind of broke them too. Uh, specifically, Mike Marath. There was there's a oh, real Marath was well, like an arm talent. There's a real Jimmy Clausen vibes where. Uh, like you just get hit so much, and by the time Jimmy got to the NFL, there was nothing left in the tank. Well, when you get sacked like twenty-seven times in your first yeah six that starts, freshman year, whew, yeah, that yeah. game against Michigan will, is like an all. That's like you send that tape to, uh, you know, scare kids. <laughs> when I was going through the, it was funny. I you know I've been doing the top. Uh, I don't know if Lazy Web Greg is, has been paying attention, but I've been doing the top recruit that Notre Dame has signed over the last 16 years at each position group. The last one was the quarterbacks. And you can go through the other position groups, and you could do some a singular story for each player. But the quarterbacks, though, it was, it was so different because it's so intertwined. Like, you're writing about this quarterback, and, and but you're writing about the, the quarterback – two classes later in that same snippet. Cause you had to, you know, it, it was way different with running backs, wide receivers and all that. It, w- it wasn't as intertwined, but like, yeah, I, I, I forgot how many was, I, I'm pretty sure it was like 20, I want to say 27 sacks or 28 sacks. Something like that. And his first six starts as a freshman. That's, that's, I, is a team, is a team did they come, was these, it 39 sacks? Or was it 49? Sacks. They were not cheap sacks either. These were lay them fucking out. The one against Michigan when he gets hit by five fucking Afford, guys. Oh, God, that one's ugh. you could hear it's, it on the broadcast. Fun. Him like like oh, like a car accordioning up again. It's why jo- it's why I have no love for John Sullivan and why I do not claim him ever. I can't I can't believe he it's the most amazing thing that he ended up being good in the pros. Can you think of a player for Notre Dame specifically where his success surprised you? Like a Ryan guy that Grant. Ryan Grant's kind of, well, I mean, Ryan Grant's 2004 I mean, was Ryan pretty stellar. Had in college. It, it, this is funny. I, and I actually talked to Ryan Grant a little bit about this. Um, but, you know, he had, he, he kind of had the world by the balls at Notre Dame and he, he was coming up on a good season and injuries just were killing him. But he always had that, that reputation of, uh, you know, he put the ball on the ground here and there. And then, you know, just timing of Darius Walker and all that stuff, it, it all kind of killed him, fizzled him. Gets in the league and kind of still thing with injuries. The next thing you know, boom, he blows up. And it's like, that's the exact player we thought we had. And just, it ended up not being there. And then all of a sudden he's that in the pros. That, that was a bit surprising that he had, like Ryan Grant is, I think I, when I wrote the article, cause I wrote about like most underrated players. Um, I think he is the most successful NFL running yeah. back from Notre Dame. He Riddick since, maybe? Like, oh, he, oh, he kills Riddick. He, he was, was like, a, he was a, he was a thousand yard rusher. Yeah. Go look at the numbers. I mean, Ryan Grant, he was, he had a better career than Jones. Um, 
So, I mean, you got to go back to Bettis. I mean, Ryan Grant was the best NFL running back from Notre Dame since Bettis, probably. He's kind of hard to find because there we go. He's hard to find because there's a lot of Ryan Grants. There's not a whole lot of – you don't have to compare a lot of players uh, from Notre Dame running backs that have, you know, that lasted longer than a few seasons in the league, you know, as, as like bona fide players. But you start adding – you start stacking it up. Ryan Grant, he's right up there. And he, like I said, he's the best NFL running back from Notre Dame since uh, Jerome Bettis. But the numbers – yeah, and we'll always have that Michigan game from him, too. 2002. Yeah. And you did both the Michigan schools. He did uh, more than admirable. We'll always, have, we'll always have that fumble against Tennessee, too. The remarkable thing about Grant, looking at his stats, and this is him. I'm checking it. And he, he – so what? He left Notre Dame after 04, right? Yes. He doesn't start getting carries – in the NFL until 2007. Right. Well, he was hurt with New York. Yeah. And then he goes, his first three seasons are 956 in basic and in like a backup role, reserve role. So 956, eight touchdowns, 5.1 yards a carry. Then he goes 1203, 1253, 15 total touchdowns. I mean, it's like, it's like good running back, right? Like you, I'm going to have him on my fantasy team as like a RB two or something. Like I said, Ryan Grant is one of the most underrated players in Notre Dame history modern history. And it's because of that, because he, he did have a good college career that just didn't, it fizzled out because of injuries. And then he, it took him like a, a rolling start in the NFL. But again, just his pure numbers in the league Best running back since Bettis in the league from Notre Dame. And yet he is one of the, he, no one mentions him unless you're a Packer fan. No one's mentioned Ryan Grant. Let me see here. It was like, a pretty it, solid. It was, it was basically though a three year run, right? Oh, seven to Oh nine. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, he just got dinged up. And I mean, it's, it's the life of a running back in that league. Julius anyway. Jones actually did end up putting unless more yards. Ward. But he never reached the kind of peaks that Ryan Grant had. Right, right. He just had the one thousand yard season. Yeah, which a thousand yard season in the NFL, a thousand yard season in the NFL is not anything to write home about. Uh, it's it's enough to write a couple checks, though. I mean, it is. Well, or if you're Frank Gore and you have the absolute perfect stat line, they do more games. They have more games, but that doesn't mean they're getting that many more carries. Well, they, I mean, then got, they did. Eh, even then, it was start. It, the league started to turn in the right in the beginning of the two thousands. It, it really started to turn. But I mean, when they when their yards per carry are still sitting around five. If you're, if you're rushing five yards per carry in the league, you're fucking good. I wasn't doing that. But um, well, one year he did that first year breakout, and then it went three nine, four four. His other two thousand yards. His two thousand yards. Yeah, or, well, I mean, Frank Gore stayed in the league for 16 years and had 16,000 yards, which is the perfect stat line, 1,000 yards per season. Look, the Matt, you cannot stop Frank Gore. You cannot. <laughs> Father time I, tried. And he was, and didn't Gore have a serious injury in college? He had a couple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like, 
He's what Garrison Hurst wished he could be. <laughs> Garrison wished that he could get over those injuries and have a long NFL career. So just this that short little stint. Mm, I loved me some Garrison Hurst back in the fucking day. Yeah. Uh, back when, back before we had PCS, back before we had playoffs, twelve team back playoffs. When, back when the regular season mattered. <laughs> so, all right. So I, I have no reviews tonight uh, because you bastards have not got over to Apple Podcasts and left a rating. And left a review. And if you do that, if you do those simple things of leaving a five-star review, uh, I will read that review on the next OFT podcast. I don't believe Jude in my stead last week even mentioned it. So I'm going to blame him for the massive chasm uh, between reviews there. So get on over there. Take care Take care of that. You become a part of the show, a part of this, uh, uh, of this fandom shit we got going on over here. Uh, but – one of the many, I, I, Greg, before you, you got on the line, I, I was talking with Brendan, and I'm like, man, there is so much shit going on, but it's like, it's all sand and nothing is concrete. Like, it's all it's all still shifting. It's not like news news. It's just kind of like these little things that are moving around. Um, it, 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 that goes across the board on a lot of different uh, subjects with college football and Notre Dame. Uh, but one of them definitely is the is the playoffs, which we're which we've talked about for weeks now. But it just it it's because it is June <laughs> that it just keeps getting brought up. But what I was saying to Brendan was, I just my whole point. I, so I wrote a quick story after Notre Dame uh, announced Notre Dame and Wisconsin announced that it was not a Shamrock Series game in Soldier Field, and Jude tried coming at me hard about apologizing to him because I had, I had said for a long time that I, I didn't say any language that it was supposed to be a Sharks series game. So apparently it was Jude's got the receipts that it's been called that it was years ago. That's what they call it. Whatever. None of that mean, meant anything to me. <laughs> what meant something to me was that Notre Dame fucking sold this whole playoff thing to everybody, which yep. so many on the beat, so many on the beat bought hook line and fucking sinker. That this never in the top four spot, never getting a bye was a fucking great thing because you were going to get a home playoff game against like fucking Coastal Carolina or Memphis or fucking whatever. Like this was great. And then two days later, sell us how great it is to play a big name opponent at a neutral site. There it is. Like <laughs> there is a hypocrisy there. Like you are selling two different things here. The balls on you are massive. Like those are illegal. Like that is not regulation size in little league. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. And that was my point. Like, how are you fucking selling this? Which is my biggest problem with my biggest problem with the whole playoff scenario is Everything that we've been taught as children growing into adults about tournaments and playoffs is that throughout the time that you play a season, you play to get the best spot in a tournament or a playoff, the best seed, because you are rewarded with an easier path with that bigger seed. Somehow, some way, 
Jack swore a brick at Notre Dame. You guys are, they will fucking sell sin to Satan. This Somehow, is, way, they sold people that it's not easier to be, to have a buy. This is like Philip Morris being the number one contributor to anti-nicotine ads in America. <laughs> because they are. Philip Morris, if you look at yes, who, they are. who gives the money to all of like the don't smoke truth and all of, all of the, the commercials truth, yeah. for like not smoking. It's all Philip Morris. They're just like, they're like, all right, we'll sell you these cigs, but we're also going to tell you, we'll, we'll, we'll pay to tell you that they're bad. Which is you exactly what... Us, <laughs> yeah, and you're not suing us again. It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm glad that you said, I'm glad that you said it and that you brought it up because how, how can you with a straight face as Jack Schwarbrick has paraded this team around the country, 2018 sticks out like a sore thumb. They didn't have to play a game at Yankee Stadium, did they? No, they did no. not. You didn't have to play it before you had to fly the whole way to California, right? And that team was gassed. Jack Schwarbrick, be damned, they went undefeated in 2018. And now they want to tell us it, that, you know, how great is this home game? That game in L.A. against SC was even close. Yeah, it was even that competitive. That team was gassed. That team was Thank gassed God, in Tony the Jones Jr., the Trojan killer himself. Hey, Chris He is a true OFD podcast hero, Tony Jones Jr., I mean, I thank fucking God for that because thank God for Chris Fink because he kept him in. Yeah. He was the only one making plays yeah. in that first half. Yeah. The guy everybody loves to shit on, Chris Fink. Just I've never I, seen a guy. I never seen a guy get shit on so hard just because he was a walk on that earned a scholarship. Well, Joe Schmidt would like to, some words. Well, but, Joe, <laughs> he, he who was, was like, developed who was uh, developed by Dell Alexander, by the way. That's not uh, exactly sneaky Dell. Well, Sneaky dough. Maybe, maybe that's not a good selling point. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 I mean, we're not getting any much love with Dell. No. But yeah, it's it, it, the balls on these guys, Greg Brennan. I just, it, it blew me away. Like, this is not, this is just, this is such horseshit. I'm just glad that you're here this time because you didn't get to talk about it when it first came out and you had to have been just dying to, to, uh, to let loose. So I'm, I'm just glad that, that you're getting to um, voice your opinion. I mean, look, my opinion is known. I said it on the last pod, you know, if you, if you want to tell me that, uh, that it's better to be an independent and not be in a conference and the price of that is a thing, then okay, you know, that's fine. But you do need to acknowledge like, they have made it harder for themselves. And the, the, the thing is, is there's no, there's no way out of that. I, I, it's so weird to me that there's just no incentive. <laughs> there's usually right. there's some sort of incentive structure to where like, if you're and good enough, we, you will have earned something. And, you know, it, it's like you're giving up, you're giving up an incentive structure for, an easier path, but it's like the easier path is for everyone. Everyone for gets an easier path, but it's the family cool doesn't get any sort of carrot. That's what I don't get. Right. I don't get See, that. That's why I, and that's why I titled 
the post that I put on the site uh, when it, all the shit first came out was that Notre Dame values his independence more than the easier path to playoff. There's no lot. That is not that is 100% fucking truth. 100%. They still have access. And as long as they have the access, they're fine with it being harder, which I don't, I don't get, but I, on a personal level, but I understand if like, if you're valuing something more than something else, obviously that's what you care about, right? Like I value my wife more than the fucking, the neighbor lady. So if both houses are on fire, I'm saving my wife and I'm probably not going back in for the neighbor lady. Sorry, but my wife would kill me if I got killed by saving the other lady. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so if you value, just say that you value your independence more and not trying to sell it like this is a great thing. That's, this is all such a fucking smoke show. You want to be independent. And that's, for me, I'm fine with that. As long as you fucking own up to it and not try to say that it's something that it's not. Because here's the biggest kicker. Here, here's the thing. All the shit that they're selling about, well, you know, since we don't have a conference game, our conference championship game, that's our buy. And then, you know, we'll, we'll have this game at home, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, at most people, you go back and look, most of them are a group of five schools and that would be in that slot. You know, it'd be fine. You know, we'll have this game on campus, but that's why the bowl games are in play, which that contract is up in 2026. They want the quarterfinals on fucking campus and schools do and the fucking fans do. They don't want to deal with the bowl game bullshit because, yes, in a way, Notre Dame does have a little bit of it. I guess a leg up, like, say, on a one-seat Alabama as far as, like, you get that home feel. I don't fucking know. But if Notre Dame is ranked at the end of the season, they're ranked number two in the country, 12-0, and and now they're the five seed going against fucking UAB in the playoffs at home. And then the next week, you got to go to fucking a 10 and 2 Oklahoma in Norman when you're now 13 and 0 and we're the number two team in the country. Fuck that shit. That's horse shit. That's ridiculous. That's that's the path. I I get the, like, from the small type model you have right now, okay, you could sell that. I'm not buying it, but I know why people are. But once you get past the point, once you look and have a wider gaze and see the the wider game at play, you should start to wake the fuck up and realize, no, this is not good that we're going to have to travel to a team that is lo- that is lower than us. But you're still talking about a tough ass fucking road game now instead of another game at your house in December. And the other part, right the other part of this, too, is <laughs> everyone keeps talking about what's like, well, you know, the 12 seed, that's, that's usually going to be, um, you know, the, the group of five team or whatever. And if you can't beat them, then who cares? Right. Well, if it's such a walkover game, then why are we doing this then? Right. If if injuries never happen. Right. But like it defeats the whole purpose. Like you want them to be a part of it, but also, like it's supposed to be a gimme game. It's like the like in the NCAA tournament for basketball, the five twelve game is the one that gives us all the upsets. Yeah. 
So, like, if if you're telling me that it's like, oh, it it should be no problem, well, then why are they a part of it? The point is you're giving teams a chance to be in it. So, like, what, what, what are you telling us? And the other part of it is how is that fair to the 12 seed? They're supposed to be getting a five seed, not the pseudo right. number five, not the number freaking <laughs> one. I never even thought about that. <laughs> and you're right. If if getting a buy wasn't an advantage, then why isn't this is in in a, a hosted home game is so perfect, and it's just going to be a layup win anyway. Why isn't it a 16 team tournament? Why is it a 12? Why do the first four teams get buys? If it was so great and so fantastic, why do the four, first four teams get buys? That well, ends the entire buys. discussion. If it was so if great, it, then it, it should it, be 16. Why, then why are why are these... Uh, why can't there be a stipulation of no more FCS teams then? You know, if the, if the, if the selling point was like, well, they, they play a conference championship game. Well, the, the yeah, FCS, they, got, got they, they already have that. That stipulation already counts. The FCS opponents do not count in the committee's uh, model for right, right, uh, right. But that's we're talking about two different things here. What I'm talking about is Notre Dame's the way Notre Dame is selling this to to all of its fans and to the fucking media is is that while the conference championship weekend's going on, independent Notre Dame has their buy, and so it's fair for that to happen and then but uh, this because it all relates to that 13 data point bullshit thing jack swarbrick acts like that doesn't exist anymore and it's still but no they won they fucking they won because they can still have their fcs like disaster treats and you don't do it which you shouldn't do it but you're acting like it's still less than what they have and it's not by allowing this fucking this kind of thinking can you put your Alex Jones hat on for a moment and just what do, what do you need there, Brendan? Consider <laughs> maybe Jack knows that independence is not long for this world, and he agreed to this deal that set off into the future um, simply because he knows that they're going to have to get shoehorned into the ACC anyway, and then he can say that he tried his damnedest to keep him independent as long as he can when he knows that the end is nigh. That the first time Notre Dame is an undefeated school and has the number five seed. I mean, there's going to be, it. it's fine now in the vacuum. It's just like, it's just like when you're looking at the season ahead and you're like, what is Notre Dame's record going to be? And you go, well, they're going to go 10 and two. And then I ask you and you go, Oh, okay. Okay. Who are the two teams? And when you actually have to pick, it's, it's fine to just say, what record it's going to be. And yeah, Notre Dame, uh, 10 and two floor. But then when you have to pick the two teams and then when those two losses happen, then everything's different. So everybody now and the sports writers now and the fans now can just be say whatever. But the first time Notre Dame is a number one or number two or number three team in the nation undefeated. And then they get slotted into a five seed and they have to play, you know, let's say, uh, an Auburn team that gets hot at the end of the year and ends up beating Alabama in the, um, you know, iron bowl, right. maybe but like then the, maybe like the third sec team in the, in the third playoffs, SEC team in, but they're rolling the team, hot the runner up. Yeah. You got, you got to play the runner up of the sec West and they got hot at the end of the year. 
And then you got to play that team in the 12 spot. That's the hottest team in football right now. And then great. You get that. And then as soon as that happens, then the calls for joining a conference will come. Or I, I mean, I also envision Pac-12, you know, and Big 12 might look for expansion at some point, and that could force the the advent of super conferences. I think, I don't know. I mean, I, before, I think before we got the details, I think you and I were, before we, before we got the total sell job from Notre Dame, I should say, you and I, I believe we're having this discussion that either text or DMs or whatever it was, was like, this feels like Notre Dame is going to have to get forced into a playoff or forced into a conference. And that now that Jack Swarbrick has 2020 under his belt with Notre Dame being in a conference, he has that, look, this wasn't so bad kind of a thing in his back. And then we got, that was before they came out and sold it out. So I don't know. I think if, if they're that, and I've always been under the belief, and most people have been too, the more the playoff expands, the less Notre Dame is going to be needed to be in a conference. I just, I think that they're not going anywhere. I think that they're this is this is signed, sealed, and delivered now, and, uh, until there is, and but maybe you're right in a way until there's an absolute atrocity, and even then. I think, I mean, we are talking about Catholic Irish people. We can live through atrocities uh, and still keep doing the same dumb thing. So I, I think they're independent for life. I think that the, expan- the expansion of the playoff to 12 teams cements that, especially with Notre Dame buying so hard and giving up so much to stay independent for that. If they expand to 16, whatever it is, I, I think they're in for life. This, this is it. I think the quarterfinals may make them change something, but that's not to say that the language can't change once the Bulls are out of it and they would put quarterfinals on campus. I don't know how Notre Dame would have any leverage at all to get them to change because everyone's happy about Notre Dame not being in a top four spot. They're ecstatic. Greg's happy, but, right, Greg? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean... A lot of Notre Dame fans, I've never known a Notre Dame fan to not be one to be number one. And somehow, all, all of a sudden, it's cool to be number five. I don't get it. Put a number I, five on Grace Hall. <laughs> I think, uh, I, five, think uh, I think, uh, I think, uh, I think, thought, Brendan, put a number five on Grace Hall. I think Brendan made a good point about, about, you know, it's all fun and games and hypotheticals, but when it comes to cases, things tend to change. I, I think I, I I don't think there's a, a a conspiracy per se. I honestly I, I think that Swarbrick is um, thinking about just leaving options open. He he I think he wants uh, multiple avenues to pursue, and so I think if it because from his point of view, he's probably thinking. Like we've been a top four seed before, but we've never actually been like, like, uh, like LSU in 2019, you know, or Bama this year when it's like, you're the clear number one. And it's kind of like, this is kind of bullshit that like this team has to be a five. And so he's probably thinking like, we haven't really reached that point yet. So let me show some good faith to these people. And, 
you know, say, all right, we'll take your buy or whatever. And then, or we won't, we'll, you know, we'll give up the buy. And if it comes to the, to the point where actually Notre Dame is in that position and they do, and it doesn't, it doesn't work out, right? Let's say they, I don't want to say they'll lose the 12, but let's say they lose in the semis. And it's like, you know, maybe someone gets hurt or maybe there's just like, they run out of gas or something. So they're, their third game is some semifinal team second game and they're fresher or whatever. And they just, you know, last second field goal, whatever. Then you, you, you have the option of like, maybe the fan sentiment is like, you know what? It, it's, it's dumb that we had to play this by and it's not changing anyway. So let's just join a conference. And then he can say, okay, like that's where fan sentiment is and we have an Avenue. So well, let's just take it. And if it's not there, then he can say, "Okay, well, we'll just we'll just stay independent." I think it's all about keeping options open rather than him being set on independence forever. Uh, well, with independence forever being the being the uh, being the uh, um, the purpose, but. Not being the end, I okay. I agree with you, except for the with just the minor caveat of they're always going to want independence, but true, but there is there. Look, there's always going to be wiggle room if they need it to be, if they want it to be. I'm just not so I'm not sold anymore that they're ever going to want it to be. I, I don't know right? if it's I, mean, a, have if options. It, I don't know if it's a them thing or if it's just like we just need to be flexible. Well, I think they are flexible. Right. The fact that, like, no, I mean, they're independent and they could go to the ACC anytime they want. Anytime they want to go in, yep. they're in. So that's all the flexibility you need. After that, you could, because of that, you can do whatever the fuck that you want because that's what you want to do. And so, and once that doesn't work out, you can either keep doing that or you could go join the ACC. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I, Disagreement didn't add any more flexibility. They've already had they've had all the flexibility they've ever needed with the ACC agreement. Hell, they were in for one year and then out. That's flexible as fuck. I mean, that's as that that's like that's a pretzel, man. Right? I mean, like to, to be no, it like, is. What what I mean years, is what I mean is like now is not the time. Like there is no that in I think in this deal they needed to preserve independence in this one but i just so you're saying so you're saying that they're so then the say the 2020 say what like i like i was saying with the quarterfinals if that goes to not being neutral not being a bowl game but being on campus that gives them the room to say well now that this is fucked we're gonna have to do this right okay right which only angers me more that you're selling it this hard about something else. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't understand fans. And I don't <laughs> understand the beat thinking that this is so fucking great either. Like, do they just not want, I, I don't, I don't know. I, or, or maybe I am just like completely fucking out of bounds on this. And I will leave that sliver of thought there that I, you know, that I could, could be, completely out of bounds in all this. I just don't think I am because I'm 42 fucking years old and I've seen how <laughs> tournaments and playoffs work. I guess like, uh, 
the Simpsons, right. the Simpsons meme where Skinner's like, am I out of touch? No, it is the children. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is super weird. Like, uh, like, it, like it. It's almost like I really it don't. Sport. It's like I Every really don't care. I don't care. But then I also am kind of like. Why? Why is everyone saying that this thing that is not okay is okay? Why is Notre Dame not in Omaha right now for the College World Series? Because they got fucked on their seating, and and instead of hosting a super regional, had to go to Stark Vegas to play Mississippi State. Had had they have given them the correct seating, they would have had to host the super regional at their fucking house with a greater likelihood of them being in Omaha right now playing for the College World Series. That's my fucking point. You're just seen it. You're just not paying attention. And, like, and, the, and the other and your whole lives. That turn and the thing it. about it is, is everyone will say, oh, you know, a Notre Dame got screwed, or a B Notre Dame didn't, or whatever. I think most people agree that Notre Dame did get screwed on that, and. We are we are already seeing the screw job. The screw job is written into the contract by our athletic director, and and whether or not you know his reasons are his reasons. I'm sure if if Jack Swarbrick came on this podcast and he told us what it was, we would you'd be like, okay, like I, I see what you're saying. I, I get it. I get it. I get no, it. But, no, but, at the, no. but, but the point is, well, he can explain it. He's no. savvy Jack, he can, but the point no, is, he can, he can explain it, but it, I'm not, I'm not sitting there fucking lapping it up. No, but I the have, point is, is, is we are going, still going to say that that's all true. Like your reasoning is fine, but yes. at the end of the day, like we did get screwed on this. It's better to be the one. There's no, especially if you've earned it. Like if you are the one seed, you should get that incentive, as everyone wants. You want to be the one seed. (laughs) It's not like. So what what is the what is the stop Notre Dame then? Starting their own tournament with blackjack and hookers? I don't know. I don't know what's stopping them. I mean, a couple eight balls and, (laughs) and a dude from Bolivia, but. I mean, what's what? What really is the stop Notre Dame then? And I think this would be this is the worst thing. This would be terrible. But what would stop Notre Dame from saying, you know what? Uh, yeah, we're gonna play our five ACC games. Uh, we'll play USC, and then our other six games are all gonna be bullshit games. Nothing. We're gonna play. What's what's to stop them? The season ticket. See that ticket holders might get upset. Oh, but you're getting a playoff game, though. You are getting a playoff game. And Notre Dame's guaranteed, right? I read all the posts. They're guaranteed to make the playoffs every year. So because because a 12 and 0 Notre Dame team is going to be is going to get that five five spot every time. Every time. Or maybe they get the seventh spot. And Regardless how, how brutal would that be? Even though you're still hosting a playoff, there is no difference between the the five because they don't reseed anyway. So it's not like. I mean, if 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 Cincinnati or BYU can play one or t- get like one FBS or excuse me, one power five win against some mid-level fucking power five school and wipe out the rest of their their group of five schedule 
and be considered a close to a top five team, why wouldn't Notre Dame get, have the same thought process with five wins against ACC teams and USC? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So what's to stop you from lowering your schedule standards? It, it, I mean, I guess why wouldn't you, right? You're selling out for independence and you're making it harder for the playoff. Why would you not make it easier? I'd, it, it's, it's all seems very messy to me. And it's all very not first of all, yeah, it's not what I have ever known as a as a person of forty two years about how tournaments and playoffs work. And it's also not what I've known about Notre Dame and how they schedule. But I just I feel like some of that's coming. And we've seen some years where some shit schedules like pretty bad. And it's not Notre Dame's fault, right? You're scheduling out and it just so happens to be like this isn't a very good year, especially the home schedules. And I don't know. Like, like why would they want, I mean, I realized like they changed the, um, the Alabama and, and Ohio state year, you know, they got them off the so same. They year. don't have to play. Well, the nice thing is, is they, they why dodged would, why would, Saban's last season now. Right. Well, like, why would you ever even consider even coming in close to that? Why? And, and as a fan, I want that. But if you're scheduling to maximize your position in the playoffs and, and to win a national championship, why would you? You don't need that anymore. That's got that's out the window. That's BCS shit days. That's 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 four team playoff days. That's well, not this thing. The, whatever. Bigger picture. Bigger picture, too, is why would teams want to schedule Notre Dame? That's always been my concern with this is like, well, that, yeah, that's a funny thing. That's a money grab because if they can get a home at home. Yeah. If, if they can get a home at home, they'll schedule Notre Dame because they know when Notre Dame comes to town, they're filling their stadium up and that's going to be a, a big game. I mean, we've seen for years, right? Like a mediocre Notre Dame goes somewhere and the stadium fills up and they beat Notre Dame. And it's like fucking like they beat the, the number one team in the country. And then they call us overrated. Like, I, none of it makes sense. None of it makes fucking sense. Like, please. I mean, I mean, I guess that's college football in a nutshell, right? It's not supposed to make sense. It's just college football. But I mean, like some things are supposed to make a little sense. I don't know. Just the whole art. And it's, it's not even Notre It's not Notre Dame being in the position they're in now. It's the argument. It's the sell job by Notre Dame and by the media about Notre Dame that it, it really has gotten to me. Like it, it really is. Cause I, as a college football fan, I'm pretty okay with the 12. I'm pretty okay with this playoff format. Like I, that's fine. Like, all right. Let's, I mean, I don't, I guess I don't believe that it's, it's like the killer of the regular season. Like some people, <laughs> Like I think it does lessen it for sure in some ways, but I think in other ways, like the high, high stakes, like the ultimate stakes games are gone, but few, we were getting few of few of those a year. And we, we were barely getting those as it was. But and now I, I maintain that we were getting a, there's a fewer few of those more because of the playoff. Games. I don't know, man. I right. think that we were getting less of those games because of the playoff, because right. those exactly. games started declining in 2014 and so their decision to to expand the playoff is, all right, what's the thing that killed the regular season? The playoff. So let's have more of that. 
And so I guess all it does is it's just going to put a bigger premium on conference games late in the season, um, where it's going to be conference. Well, you're watching conference it makes battles. More, it makes more November games meaningful. Well, in November it's, like games, I said, it's, it's not the November high games are games. November games are, are conference games, though. Like Notre Dame is not involved in. I mean, they were with Clemson this no, year, but Notre Dame is not really involved with November right, games. College football as a whole. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For a whole, for the whole, yeah, I, I got that. Yeah, you're you're losing you're losing those you're losing Notre Dame Miami '88, right? Those games yes. are gone now. But what you're gaining is is a lot of of games that still have massive meaning towards the postseason. They're just not like the do, the do or die. And like I said, it, those games were dying out anyways. We were having fewer and fewer of those each year. And even when we, even when that was all in place, you still only had maybe one or two of those a year. Now you're getting, you're going to have like 20 to 30 games in a season that are big stake games, not high stakes, but big stake games. And so, I mean, I'm cool with that. I mean, I, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to the playoff. I'm opposed to the way Notre Dame is sold it. I understand. Just say you value independence and this is why you did it. And you were getting, you're getting hosed out. You got pushed out. Just admit it. Just admit that you got pushed out because you weren't in a conference and just be fucking fine with it. Then don't try to sell it. Like it's better. That's my point. I think there's a case to be made that, that, you know, they were talking about this a little bit on the, um, the Irish illustrated podcast about how, how the regular season games, you know, they, they have less importance, right? So the, the, um, you know, when Notre Dame lost to Michigan, it's like, well, that was it. Right. Um, in 2019, yeah, it was just like, okay, well, season's kind of over. Right. And, and it was like that in 2017 too, when they lost to Miami and, it, there is a case to be made. It's like, well, the entire regular season actually matters now because in both of those instances, Notre Dame would have then been playing for their playoff, their playoff spot because you know, right. the, the 2019 team fell out right. and the 20, the 2018 or the 2017 team. It's like, you can't lose again. Like you really can't. And you have a chance to actually kind of solidify your place when you go to Stanford. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that at all. My only problem with that line of thinking is this, were those teams going to do anything in the playoffs anyways? Was 2019 Notre Dame going to, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, but I think, I think a two a two or three loss Notre Dame team doesn't fucking deserve to be in the playoffs or the top, or any kind of national championship hunt. Just take your fucking whatever bowl win and go home and start over next year. I don't I'm not like uberly more excited to know that like after the Michigan game I w- I didn't have to feel like utter pure garbage cuz I did. <laughs> That's fine. I came out, you know, at Look, and we saw it. We saw them keeping Notre Dame ranked 16th for like six weeks after that. So you don't get it anyways. I just so. <laughs> let me let me put it like this though, because it, it, we, we don't 
we don't deserve it. Right. And that's how you feel. And maybe that's true. But like now that the the playoffs come, it's a little bit different because let's say let's say the 2019 team. Right. Let's say the because of the. Because but because of the fact that and I'm gonna I'm gonna, it's a proposition I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of I'm thinking about this for the first time so I kind of want to bounce it off of you guys and we can just okay. kind of hypothesize on how we would actually feel so we know how we felt after the 2019 uh, season right where they they run off the string of games against teams that weren't that great and then they beat um, seven and five Iowa State 33 to nine so you, you go on a winning streak. Right. And that leads into 2020 where let's let's just imagine a scenario where the the committee gives them more credit because it's like, hey, it'd be really more fun if Notre Dame was in the playoff than, you know, I don't know, Utah. Right. So you put Notre Dame in the playoff. Let's say they're the 11 seed and then they get to play a six and then they beat a six, whoever it is. I don't know who it would have been. Baylor. And then they play – who does the 6 play? Or who does the 11-6 game play? The uh, the 3 seed or the 2 seed probably? The 2 seed? Let's say somehow they beat the 2 seed. Well, the yeah, the 6 would be the 3. And then the 7 right. would be the 2. And then the 8-9 gets the 1. Right. So so let's say they beat the 3 seed then. Okay. Unless they reseed. <laughs> what they're not. So let's say they beat the three. So now you've won two games there, but then in the semi, you get boat raced again. Okay. So the season ends with a loss, but then you did beat whoever the number six was, and then you beat the three. And then you get boat raced. Like, is that better than, and is it like more, I don't know, I don't want to say exciting. Is it, does it add, does it give you more to feel about the team? Than just the way it plays out where, you know, you're not playing for anything. You know, you can't even get a good bowl game. Cause I remember we were talking about like, what we got the camping world or the, like it was, it was the bowl options weren't very good. So it's like, we're going to put some podunk team that doesn't really show us anything, but the season ended on a high note and we got to make fun of Matt Campbell. So, <laughs> so which, which, I mean, to me, it's like, I don't know. Maybe I would feel better about beating a six and a three than I would. And then ultimately losing than just having it play out the way it played out. Like that is right, kind you, of you a carrot. Swinging. You went down swinging. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's like, and yeah. maybe we okay. say you don't deserve it, but at the end of the day, maybe you proved that you were a little bit better they weren't the team in Ann Arbor. They were actually a little bit better than that. And then they went out and proved it. a lot better than Right. So, but we don't know because they never actually got a chance to show that again. So maybe it's better that way. Okay. Okay. I get, I, I can go. Okay. I got that. That works for me. Does that, does that work for you, Brendan? A lot of thought. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess so. Um, I just, I'm not looking for moral victories, and I, I think this is where I have the biggest problem is. But, is that, a, but sum- is that a moral victory, though? Is, is winning a couple games in the playoffs yeah, it's moral victory. That, you, that you came in as an 11th seed? Is that a moral victory, though? Sure. Because why? I'm, I mean, the goal is to win a national title. 
Right, but it's a uh, man, Greg. You really got me turned around on this. <laughs> but is that really is that really a, a moral victory? Like to, to like you were you were shredded. Like in the 2019 season, instead of going to the Camping World Bowl to play fucked up Iowa State, where so, somehow you were the underdogs in that game, you go to the playoffs and you rattle off a couple of wins. Because well, I mean, you rattle off a you rattle team. off a couple, and then you're playing for the Natty, right? If you if you win a couple games, you're in the Natty, right? But it, that that's more than a moral victory, though. Yeah, because you're playing that, for the Natty. That, that's and, that's a that's a. I mean, in a sense, it is because right because you're proving yourself better than than what people thought of you. But that's still like a hell of a ride, too. That's more than just. That's more than moral. That's a fucking you're still devastated when you lose. Because, I mean, at that point, say say you make it to the national championship game as a as an 11 seed or whatever. At that point, you're fucking in it, right? Like, we're going to win this fucking thing. We are hot. So losing, there's no moral victory in losing. But the moral victory in getting there after pissing down your leg in Ann Arbor for no goddamn reason. That's a that's a thing. Greg, you got me turned around. Congratulations. At least All right, I'm, guys, I'm, I'm going to hang up then, and uh, you can go on without me. On, on some level, on some level, there, I I can I can get with that. <laughs> that, that has nothing to do with the cell job that Notre Dame's trying to put out there. <laughs> but, well, no, that, that's 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 I, a that's a that's a point in the favor of just the tournament period. Right. Which For everybody. I, which again, we've been dealing with tournaments. Or- their whole lives, right, gentlemen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From from when your time you were you were having an Uno tournament at home with your with your family on Christmas. I mean, we're, we're we know what tournaments are doing. So, all right, we got to move on. I can't keep yelling about <laughs> why are you selling me this? Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I will. But I. Uh, we've uh, we've ate up an hour now, so I think it's time for us to move on. But before we do that, uh, we're going to take a quick uh, quick break and put some commercials on this pod for the first time in a while, uh, so I don't get yelled at. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. And again, we're talking about, again, there's so much sand out there. Not concrete, but sand. And there's nothing more sandy than Notre Dame football recruiting right now. Because there is, 
you guys, Jude, Jude, how you doing out there, bud? <laughs> He's counting tombstones. There's so much certainty with (laughs) with so many recruits that Notre Dame's after right now. Like we're we're, there's a lot of certainty. Like we're gonna land a few of these guys that, and I mean that's again you're building a house on sand. But there's a lot of stuff going on there, and there's there's a big buildup right now. Notre Dame is has the number two recruiting class in the country. On both rivals and twenty four seven composite, I think. Yeah, look at that. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty sexy. It sounds um, good. They're so, even in the ha- they're even in the order of telling kids that there's not spots, right? They are I, in that position, yes. So, Greg, I want to ask you this question because I I I think someone else asked it on another pod somewhere or, or whatever, but. And this is kind of like uh, skipping a whole bunch of different things, topics to talk about. But when it comes to official visits and these guys and these these recruits, and it, Gavin Sawchuk, for example, you don't want him to visit because you think you have someone else in the bag, and you don't want to waste his time. The argument was made that you should still have these guys visit because the transfer portal is only going to get be bigger in play. And one of the things about transfer portals is a lot of the schools that these guys, when they're leaving, look to when they go to leave are the schools that recruited and their memories of the official visits and shit like that. So do you think it is, it is a good idea or a bad idea or a eh, kind of fucking up in the air idea about, telling these guys not to come on these official visits because you're closed. I, I think you have to, I think you have to do right by the players first because they only, they only get five. So if you can't, if you really can't take a player, then, you know, like Sebastian cheeks, right? Apparently Notre Dame is saying, look, we we have three linebackers and we're going to focus on Jalen Sneed. They know in doing so, like they are eliminating themselves from Sebastian. They can't go back to Sebastian Chiefs later if for some reason Jalen Sneed decides not, not to come. Not unless you're Nick Saban. Nick right, exactly. Like exactly. You can't, you can't try and do a Donovan Edwards, right? Right, exactly. Yes. Right. right. So um, you don't want to take a visit for, away from a player. I mean, it, if there were unlimited visits, you know, sure. Like, come look at us, right? Like, come check us out. But I don't know. Like, so is that? So that's a good thing, though, right? Like, what you just said is a good. Is that is a good as a badge of merit on your program, where you're being honest with a guy. So if they're so, let's just say Gavin Sawchuck, after two years at OU, decides he wants to transfer. Notre Dame would still be a place that he would cons- like he wouldn't he wouldn't scratch them out because they dicked him. They would it would still be like in play if we because he's like, OK, they, they treated me like a like a human being and were honest with me about the nature. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's right. a badge of merit. Right. Right. Like, look, we are being totally honest with you about how we're doing things. We're not we're not trying to fuck you here. We know you only have right. so many visits, blah, blah, blah. So that's a good thing. I, I mean, yeah, like anytime you're real with players, I'm sure they appreciate it to some extent, right? Like, don't jerk me around. 
Just tell me the truth. And if you say, hey, like, look, the Sawchuck situation, it's really <laughs> And I'm just using him as a as a Right, but, a but like that, like example. every every recruit is is kind of different, right? Like Xavion Bradshaw's coming um this weekend. I don't I don't know that I don't know just given everything else that's going on at wide receiver and who it could, who could come and who Notre Dame is definitely going to take. I don't know whose spot he has. Right. And so if he's coming and like, I don't know that it's, he could actually commit this weekend if he wanted to, I don't know that that's true. And I, and, but he's still coming. So is has Notre Dame been honest with him about that? Like, hey, come to our school, but we're not we're not ready to take your commitment yet. I don't know, and I don't know if if that's even the case. Like, but it's just you don't you don't really know where they are with every player. Like, every player is different. Some kids, yeah, come see our campus, you know, get a feel for us, right? And other kids, like Sebastian Cheeks, he's been in Notre Dame a bunch of times. Right. He doesn't need to take an official visit. He's he's been recruited long enough to where he's actually met the coaches. He's met people. He hasn't met Marcus Freeman because he came later, but he's he's he knows the school. Right. He's pretty local. So he's a guy that's like, yeah, okay, like we're not going to we're going to focus on Jalen and. You know, good luck to you. Right. That sort of thing. Um, other players, maybe you do want them to come to campus and get a feel for the program, like Xavier Bradshaw. So you, you just don't know. And I'm using Xavier Bradshaw as a, an example because he's coming this weekend. I, I don't know the details of his recruitment. It's just like the way that rec- receiver is being recruited. It's really confusing as to who is a take and who isn't a take. So I'm just using him as an example. Um, but yeah, so it. I, Anytime you're being real with recruits, that's going to be a good thing, right? Canceling visits, you're not you're not being a jerk. It'd be one thing if if they came on the the last thing you want is for them to come on the visit and then you drop them, or they come and you tell them that they're not a take and they have to stay. right exactly right exactly and which they didn't know why, that which is why like a guy like uh, like Cesare Malusi, they canceled his visit because they knew he was going to commit when he showed up. And they wanted Kyra Williams instead, you know, much, much to our chagrin, but a, it all worked out great for us, but B that was a good thing to do because why would you make the guy waste his visit? Uh, you're right. I mean, it's just, that that's a heady thing. Yeah. Okay. I just, I, I had saw people like putting that up, putting that out there in the universe. Like maybe we should still take these visits, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you're like, and my thinking was the same as yours. If you're if you're dead, if you're dead sure about what you got going on with your roster and with your recruiting class and who's in and who's not, and you know that this guy coming isn't going to be in because you don't want him in or don't need him in, then you need to do the right do the right thing. Yeah, it is for this year, not for. Yeah. It feels weird to to kind of have that, um, you know mindset of like come visit so in case you want to go in the portal or something like it's just i don't know i don't i feel like that's not a thing you should be doing brendan let me ask you this question so there's 
there's a lot of there's a lot of sexiness going on with recruiting with certain players. What's not sexy to, to most people is offensive linemen. But I mean, I find it extremely attractive. <laughs> but this class, what I'm kind of getting to here is, look, we already have two, we have two commitments in this class. Like people may have forgot, Joey Tanoa and Ty Chan, which are both four star guys, yeah. are in this class. Like, and, hey, they're in, they're committed. Yep. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of you know, gnashing of teeth about Billy Schraith and you know other, you know other guys that were were out there recruiting. But let me just read you off the names for the on the 2022 Notre Dame scholarship chart. All right, there are which there will be. There's two possible fifth-year seniors, and that's Jarrett Patterson and John Dirksen. There, and then the seniors go: Zeke Carell, Hunter Spears, Andrew Kristoffic, Quinn Carroll. Juniors: Michael Carmody, Tosh Baker. Sophomores: Pat Coogan, Rocco Spindler. Blake Fisher, Joe Alt, Caleb Johnson, and then you have your two fresh incoming freshmen in 2022 of uh, Tonona and Chant. How many more should Notre Dame take? That, that that's a healthy number. I don't know how many guys are still going to be there. Like this is like a right now. This is what 2022 looks like. Now Patterson was a guy that I think we may have thought would leave after this year, but maybe that's not the case now. But at any rate. I mean, how many more guys do they really? Because you're looking at Blake Fisher, who's going to be a sophomore next year. Is well, probably, I think that's the that's the key. Starting left tackle this year. I think that the key to the whole thing is Blake Fisher this year, and I think what it's going to end up doing is there's going to be some transfers um, for guys that want to play left tackle, because Blake Fisher, barring injury, is your starting left tackle for the next three years, and he is anchored down. That is his position. Uh, before he's a top five draft pick. Yeah, so, 2024 is your next opening. Right? Is your next opening for left tackle. So for yeah. the next three years, a position is off the table. So that I think that changes. Um, I think that changes some things because I'm not sure if uh, Notre Dame has a pretty successful history of moving guys around. Um, specifically, I mean, McGlinchey sat at right tackle behind Ronnie Stanley and then slowed over to left tackle, and he still ended up a top 10 pick, right? So they have a track record of having guys play at positions and then move around. I mean, just it's just uh, Patterson could be the next guy, right? So I, I do wonder if you still with offensive line, you still have to take numbers. Um, there's always knees and big guys in, in limbs. Um, Notre Dame's kind of been fortunate uh, with their offensive linemen, but at the same time they have it right. Patterson last year, um, you know, he had uh, uh, who was it before on the uh, Alex bars, right. In the 2014 or 2018, right. right? Mm-hmm. Um so you have to always have bodies of guys. So I don't know. You take four I this mean, year. That I list just, seems I just, like a night. I just figure you take four offensive of bodies, every though, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And so, like, so they really only need two more guys. Yeah, you take I, I guess, four every year. Right. So I mean, they really only need two more guys. I know, like, what hasn't been talked about as much in this cycle up to, up to this point has been at center. But I think we're finding out more and more and as we should. And I've talked like the, about this a lot with, you know, in our DMS is like, I want a 
fucking center. Like I, I want it. And so, you know, right now we're seeing, you know, Notre Dame kind of go back and forth between a couple of guys, not saying they have their, their, their choice of the lot, but I mean, is that important to, to either of you? Like Greg, is that important, important to you? You asked me why I wanted Hinsman so bad. And I told you, is, is that important to you at all though? Like to, to, to have a guy, my line of thought is like, we're used to these centers that are like, they come in and they're, they're, if they're pure centers from high school, they're six, three, six, four, maybe it's, that's because that because the taller, bigger guys are playing tackle in, at high school. So you, uh, now you have a pure center coming in who's a, a bigger guy, and that's kind of more what you want, like a Jarrett Patterson size. I, I don't know how, how how do you feel about that? I I think you're right to value the center position. I don't personally. I feel like there's always someone like Jarrett Patterson. He was not brought in to play center. And now he's great. So, and Robert Hainsey, same thing. Like he could have, apparently he could have been playing center the entire time. So, you know, I, 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 I'll say this. I like it when they get someone like Zeke Carell, who is like, he's a center. And I don't like having to worry. I, I like having to not worry about snapping. Um, and I feel like that's just like a big deal to me. Like I, people forget, but Jarrett Patterson wasn't, he had hiccups in 2019 on that front. So Team Mustafer had hiccups. Remember right, that? right, yeah. yeah. So like, I don't like, it. I don't like that. So I like it when they have centers. But, but 2020, but 2020, Jarrett Patterson though was lights fucking out. Right, exactly. So um, it, I don't, I don't have a big. Some um, might say too tall for Ian Book at times. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so I, I think. To Brennan's point, I think you bring in four. I it's kind of weird because, you know, everyone's kind of on this, um, you know, the 2019 class and how, quote unquote, they aren't being developed. They're about to be juniors, and no one's slated to start except for Carell, and maybe that's up in the air too. I I don't know much about anything. I didn't play the position, but I feel like. Of all the positions, it's really a big deal that that group did not get a spring last year. And whatever was going on in the fall, people in and out, you know, you don't know, different pods and things like. But so much development is getting lost. And and not just that. No, it too is. Go ahead. I just just want to add, add to that. Just people are all upset about what they're not doing right now. Uh, the twenty nine, the twenty nineteen guys. It, we're talking about in that class. That was uh, what Carell, Spear, you know, Spears, Kristoffic, uh, and Quinn Carroll. But they still have a lot of eligibility left, and that's not even including the Corona bullshit. This is like, if you get two really, you know, these guys all have what three years of eligibility left. That's not including whatever Corona, even if that is anything. So say nothing happens this year. The next year they still come into to uh, into the season with two years of eligibility. Like they're not done until at least 2023. That's not a bad thing on the offensive line. They're men out there. Yeah, yeah. That's you're not going to get like Blake Fisher. Really, honest to God, for as good as he is, should not be starting at left tackle. 
but he's going to be. So he's going to be fucking stellar, uh, you know, in a couple, you know, in a couple of years, you know, but what I'm saying is, is like offensive linemen, they don't have to come in and, and play right away as like, so they don't have to be starters as sophomores to right. like not be considered a bust. Like it's, it's fine for them to, to go into their academic senior year um, and have a couple of years to start on the line. That's just, that's absolutely fine. That's normal. Yeah, and I, you just you made the point actually that I was going to make. So um, good on oh, you. And that, it, it, well, no, just in that, just in that, they they all last year didn't count for them. So they all have that extra year of eligibility, and that's an extra year that they can work with, um, you know, Bayless. You know, they can actually get developed. You know that. They, 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 I, I just, I just feel like it's such a big deal that they, not even that they weren't developed. Linemen probably really need to be with the strength coach, and they really need to be together, and they really need to be around their their O line coach and that whole infrastructure a lot more than you know defensive backs or receivers or something like that. I, I, I just right. really think for their physical development as players from the, for the whole thing. It's like Notre Dame where it's a, it's a culture thing too. Right. So yeah, there's just a lot, there's a lot of panic right now around like the offensive line and what are they going to do? And I just feel like because they're, everything isn't slotted nicely into place for our brains that, that, equals an issue and i don't i don't know that that's true maybe it is but you know just because we don't know doesn't mean it's a problem it just means that we don't know and we're not in the building and that's the way it goes <laughs> right so let's let's step away just uh just a wee bit from the from the big uglies and get to the to the sexy cats uh for a minute here and we've already kind of like Adjacent touched on uh, running back just a little bit with our uh, using Gavin Sawchuk as a as an example here and there. Uh, But Notre Dame right now, a lot of people forget they have a commitment. They have a four star running back committed right now uh, in Jadarian Price, who is a very fucking good running back. This is this is not just this is not uh, uh, some minor three-star 600 ranked cat. This is a guy who's, uh, he's a top 200. He's, it's, he's it's not a, yeah, it's not an Autry Denson running back recruit, right? Yeah. This, this is the Jadarian price is the crown jewel of many other of Notre Dame's recruiting classes going back. As yeah, a running for like back a position. four year period. He would have been, yeah. I don't think they didn't sign a four-star running back for like what? Three straight years. Dexter Williams. Was right. It? I mean, it was the Josh Adams, Dexter, and then it, Dexter there was and, like Dexter and Josh, yeah. And then there was like a cavernous hole upon which no running back over a three-star signed, which is driving what which drove everybody nuts. So, like, when you look at again, going back to the scholarship chart for 2022, Sebo Flemish will be on his fifth year. I think that, and you guys know my feelings there. I think Audrey Custome takes. If he doesn't take all of his carries this year, he's sure as shit going to take all of Sebo Flemmers' carries in 2022. That's just, that's, if they're going to use Sebo as a, as a power back, 
you have a, a Greek god uh, that's on campus right now. No offense to Sibo, I'm just saying, as much as, as Greg has rode Kyle, I'm about to ride Estebe like that. <laughs> Strike a fucking Heisman pose. Uh, this, is, this is like all like karmic payback for not getting TJ Duckett. This is... <laughs> Did you, did you see the did you see the latest photograph that they that they oh, released, dude, that, that he put insane. out there? Dude, he's, look, how? He like, how? He looks, how? <laughs> it's like it's like looking at Greg Oden when he was a freshman at yeah. Ohio and wondering why how is this man not forty four years old? Like it's it's insane. So, but <laughs> on the scholarship chart, Sebo's a fifth year. Kyron will be a senior. I think most of us feel Kyron's gone after this year, right? Quick, quick consensus: We're, Kyron's gone after this year after a healthy year, right? He yeah. better be gone for his yeah. NFL prospects. Yeah, he has to leave. All right, Can't. so scr- scratch those two, and now you are cooking with a little bit of a uh, uh, watered down gas in a sense of numbers. So Chris Tyree uh, will be a junior. And then Logan Diggs and Audrey Gustin may be sophomores. Jadarian Price is on board. So that's four running backs, which is, a, which is a healthy running back room. That's fine. But getting that fifth, like, makes it all okay, right? Yeah, like, you re- just re- convert a safety, right? You can be a safety and play running back. That's not a problem. <laughs> we saw CJ Procise do it. I mean, we'll yeah, see Kyle do it in spurts this year, so... Yeah, if I see Kyle at the tile at the at the uh, at the tailback, we're we're gonna have we're gonna have many conversations. Uh, but it, yeah, but it, so my whole point was Jadarian Price, beautiful. That's a fantastic commitment, and that's great. But I still feel like they like yeah, they really do need to get a second one just a, from a pure number standpoint uh, because. Again, you're going to have two bodies gone on 2022 off that scholarship chart. And for that other guy to like be Nicholas Singleton, possibly, that's a, that's a holy shit kind of a thing. Like when Nicholas Singleton's the last guy that I mentioned in there. I mean, he might be, he could be the best one. Right. I mean. <laughs> the, the staff seems to think so, right? No, I mean, of, of the of the four. Of all of them. Yeah, of all of them. He could be the best one. Yeah. 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 And it kind of doesn't matter because luckily you can play them all at the same time. Or, you know, you can play them all at once. Well, no, you can only play one running back at a time. (laughs) (laughs) You can only play one running back at a time. (laughs) Why would you have both of them on the field at the same time? If you just run the fucking T formation, you get three of them at one time. How great is that? And you can use two of your tight ends, which you are great at recruiting. I, I, how great is the T? You get to put out all these guys that you're great at recruiting, offensive linemen, tight ends, and now all of a sudden we're great at recruiting running back. It's fucking great. Let's do it. <laughs> Jude, I think, is like somewhere like drowning himself in a in a bucket. Like not the T formation again, but uh, this. So, anyways, the Singleton situation is is if you if you guys don't know, he's a he's a top 100 uh, running back. He's the number six ranked running back overall, 
uh, from 24-7 Sports Composite. Um, he, he's from over there in Pennsylvania. I, I put it out on Twitter today. He's only 100 miles away uh, from Ricky Waters. Uh, we're, we're the, or not 100 miles. He's only an hour away from where Ricky Waters grew up at. And it reminds me of him in, in the sense that he's got the same kind of body style. Uh, I don't know about the same speed or athleticism, but uh, it's not far off. I've watched the kids' highlight tapes. I like them a lot. Um, but Notre Dame's in a battle with with basically Penn State at this point. And it's kind of a fun running back domino thing. Like it was between Sawchuck, Singleton, and and uh, Dallin Hayden. And the first – was Hayden the first ship that fell? Hayden, Hayden committed first, to Ohio yeah. State. And then Sawchuck committed to OU. Yeah. And now it's Singleton. Now we're waiting for Singleton. To, I mean, because we're, we're all waiting for him to pull the trigger, right? That's the problem is, is you don't, it's a game of musical chairs and like two of the chairs have been taken. And this is, I think what gives people consternation is that Notre Dame's waiting. Like what happens if Singleton, all reports are, is that it's gonna, um, but what happens if it doesn't like, I have an answer for that. That's, that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in uh, the answer to that. If, if, if Singleton, if Singleton shocks the world, or shocks the Notre Dame world, anyways, and commits elsewhere, like to a Penn State, the answer to that, what do you do? Is that oh, you still have Jadarian Price, right. that's pretty good, and there's also a guy, Gabram uh, Payne, over there at Cincinnati. That's not that's not a far fetched far fetched plan B guy. I mean, your plan B guy is still a pretty highly ranked fucking guy. So is that the difference between Lance Taylor and a uh, Autry Denson is that Lance Taylor seems to have a plan B for when the A crashes because so far Lance Taylor last year, his plan A went up in flames and everybody freaked out and somehow he still walked away with a jitterbug wide receiver from Louisiana that LSU really wanted and <laughs> Audrey Azdeme, uh, who you really wanted. And yeah, I, well, I, mean, I mean, still say And I, I mean, we probably went on like three podcasts about how badly Notre Dame fucked up their running back recruiting with the Will Shippen situation. But yeah. that was to the effect where we were like, no, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, it worked for Tyree, but that doesn't work every time. And you know, we were we were upset about that. It wasn't it wasn't so much that they lost Shipley, especially when you found out like the reasoning behind it, like his girlfriend and shit like that. Like, all right, fuck that then. Uh, I mean, yeah, it stings. Like that's a five star guy you want for sure. Uh, and then as time went on, I mean, dude, estimate came out of nowhere, right? Like Logan Diggs is always on like the the scene. Like as as a name, and then there was a uh, I know Greg liked him a lot the 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 kid from Texas, um, oh I can't think of his name, I think he went to UCLA or some shit like that. Who I was it? I'm not Scooter thinking. Popner. I think it was Scooter Popner. Was it running back? <laughs> yeah, yeah um, he was. He was was he from Denson? No, last cycle. Last cycle, last cycle. I'm gonna, I'll, I'm looking it up right now. 
Okay. It wasn't it wasn't Dunlap. Um it wasn't LJ Johnson. Alden McCa- was it Alden McCaskill? Oh, okay. I did like him. We, we, yeah, we liked him. He ended yeah. up going to Houston, by the way. Okay. Well, like estimate yeah. came out of nowhere. Like like in like in the sense that like all of a sudden his name was big. And we were bitching about um not going after Kiner from Cincinnati and shit like that. And it all worked out because, honest to God, and I, I, I hate Twitter reply people a lot of times. So I'm putting out my love of Audrey Estime out there, and then they want to come back with, they want to hype up Diggs, and I get it, I understand Diggs, I like Diggs a lot too, but I'm not talking about fucking Diggs. He's I'm a talking about I, yeah. I, I, what I was talking about was in the end, I am ecstatic that we got. Estimate instead of Shipley. And I posted a, a picture of Estimate looking like a Greek god and Shipley fucking playing putt putt. But, I, but the main reason was we don't have a 6'2, 230 pound running back. Now we do. But we had a speed guy in Chris Tyree. We didn't need Will Shipley. You just go get him another cycle if you need him. You know what I mean? Like, like this. That, this just made perfect sense to me. Like they did, they did the right thing. Like in the end, I think it all worked out perfectly for Notre Dame. So in this cycle, what we're looking at, like, like we're all going to be wringing our hands now about waiting on what happens with Singleton. But we got a Jadarian price right now. And that still seems like enough, even moving forward into 2022. I mean, are you guys, I mean, what I'm saying, are you feeling the same way there, or are you like it's Singleton or die? <laughs> I'm kind of of the opinion that it's Singleton or die because I look at the 2023 class, and I I think that they've made some real inroads in some of the top top guys in 2023. And I know Greg's really high on the prospect of 2023 being that mythical top five class. That's that's something in the cards, right? So I don't I don't if there's an Audric Estime tier player and a guy that you feel like there's an Audric Estime tier that that comes on where he because de- de- the, the key with Estime is that he decommitted from Michigan State. And that's a right. guy that they didn't they didn't figure would be there. Because um, if you estimate McCaskill, McCaskill still the DJ Duckett. Alton McCaskill is that Autry Denson level guy. Right. That's that's the guy that that. You know, he would have fall, you know, fell back on. I mean, Diggs and McCaskill would have been 400, three stars in the 400s. And then Estimate comes in and he's a top 250 guy, four star. Um, I, I don't know what the way that 2023 looks like, and it's never a great idea to kick it to the curb. But like you've you've hit home, Josh. I mean, they have a four star running back already in the class. I don't think that you need to reach for a take, especially with the way that 2023 looks. The way I see it is there's there's kind of two conversations. You know, if he doesn't come, you know, two weeks ago, I, I didn't think we'd get any of these guys. So it's kind of like it, 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 it's just for funny. The record, I would I told you I, w- I was confident about Sawchuck. I, right. I was most confident about Sawchuck of the three. Most like confident about Sawchuck, not really confident about any of them, as is, is I recall. Like, of the three, I think we get Sawchuck, but I don't know about that. So, right. my 
my so you know like i said two weeks ago i didn't think we'd get any of them and now that the crystal balls have come in for singleton it, it feels like there's something to be lost now um <laughs> so so i i'm talking about it through that lens I, the way that i see it is you're you're correct if it's just price price is really good he's i I like price a lot. So we're getting a good back no matter what. If if you want to if you want to we you know we talk about top 5 classes and top 4 classes and you know closing the gap and all that stuff and catching Bama and catching Clemson. You need both of them if you want to do that stuff because that's how it happens. It's like we've got a really good back to Darian Price. And here's this guy who just runs for touchdowns. I mean, I put on his tape last night. I don't like to watch guys who I don't know that I don't think Notre Dame is going to get. The crystal balls come in. It's like, all right, let's check out Singleton real quick. Man, that kid, he has some some, some burst on that tape where it's just like, whoo, whoo. Like that is just and, fast. And like, tacklers bounce off of him. Yes, and he can go, he, and I, I don't care about the option stuff. Yeah, the, the option stuff, I don't care. Like, figure it out. Give that kid creases, and he will do stuff, right? So it's all good. Like, I, I my, my thing is, like, you, you, you need them. You need both of them. And if they don't get them, I'll go on your this pod, and I'll talk about how it's actually not that big a deal. But, like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it is a big deal. It is. I'm just I, I've while you're speaking while you're speaking I'm like you know what I'm gonna flip on his highlights just to have in front of me well and look I made the the Ricky Waters comparison I'm not backing off of that in fact I'm fucking I'm going I'm going even harder on that with Singleton like watch just what go ahead and watch his highlights go they're easy to they're on huddle find it just watch the way he runs as a running back it is. It's nice, man. It's really fucking nice. There's a reason why this guy is is ranked uh, so high. And yeah, you, you know, you bring up the option. I don't give it. Look, you can teach a running back the zone read shit in in one spring or fall camp. That's not a big deal. It, it's not. It, it's more. It's more important that the quarterback uh, gets adjusted to that than the running back. They just once they get the ball in their hands, they just they already know what to do. So. So it's that that's not that big. I, I don't know why anyone's making that a big issue. Uh, that, that's like being shitty about getting a badass tight end that played in a wing T offense or something Who cares. If he's a badass tight end, it's a badass tight end. Maybe because they watched um, they watched Dexter Williams ride the pony, the pine pony for a number of years because uh, there were facets it's, of the game that he didn't get. That, but that's I mean, also, the, but that wasn't just facets of the game either. It was. There was other issues, you know, the, I mean, look, let's be honest. Dexter had to get his shit together in school. Yeah. And he, he had a rough, he had a rough time being away from his mom. She moved up and shit. Cha- I mean, and I look, I, I'm not, this isn't me. Like, do not take this wrong. I fucking love Dexter Williams. I mean, I love that kid, but you know, he just had to get his shit together up on campus. And Hey, he got in a little bit of trouble too. <laughs> you know, it was, yeah, I didn't there. play so, till Stanford. Yeah. 
so coming all the way around, you know, getting that final year, dude was mag- was magnificent. But that's 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 him. That's not to say that's going to be the the next guy. You know, I you know I understand the whole blitz pickup thing, uh, but just that's a lot of that's some excuse to not play him for other reasons. You know what I mean? Like I loved how everyone knocked Dexter Williams for catching for not being able to catch the ball. But he, you know, watch that Michigan State 2017 game. It was a pretty dope ass touchdown catch if I don't if I don't say so. Looked I mean he could do me. it. Yeah, look 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 good to me. Uh, so just say But <laughs> so Greg, you you brought up this whole this mythical top five class thing. And I have to admit, I've been playing around with the with the class calculator a lot over the last week and a half, go. like a lot. Like I even wrote a whole story. Like, look, I'm gonna add all these guys and look what yeah. they got. Um, Loved it. What and, was that number? Four? It ended up as number four class. Yeah, it'd be the number four class yeah. um, from on average over the last like six, seven recruiting classes. So the one position, though, and this is the big that has separated Notre Dame over the last three to four years recruiting wise from other teams in the top tier. And this has less to do with recruiting rankings and more to do with what happens on the field has been a wide receiver. Is that a, is that a true statement in your mind? Like that's the big separation, right? At, at receiver and a, and a corner, like on the edge. Yeah, I would say so for sure. So at re- okay. And so at receiver right now, Things are, I don't know what to make of it as a whole, right? Like, I think you can spin a tail of Notre Dame wide receiver recruiting right now and come out with a, with a theory that says this is going to be a really good class. They have one commitment right now, Amorian Walker. And what's great about Walker is that nobody wanted him when he committed. And you talked about this in the last pod, Greg. Nobody wanted him when he committed. Now, all of a sudden, Alabama's offered, Michigan's offered, he runs a 4-4, LSU offered. Everybody wants a kid now. And so his, like, three-star low ranking, that's going to skyrocket, right? Like, recruiting recruiting sites don't – they take notice of these offers, and then they're going to watch him play in a season. And as long as he holds weight, he, he's going to skyrocket up. So whatever his ranking is now, which is like – shit, what is it now? It's – it's so low. Um, he's the 834th ranked recruit in the country. Do you think Alabama typically wants to get the number 834th ranked recruit? Josh, are you telling me that a guy could be ranked in the 800s going into a senior season and somehow mystically end up almost a five-star is a five-star? That That's unheard of. Notre Dame could never have that happen. I don't believe you. It, it, it would be, it would be very, I mean, it, it's the, it's the tale of dreams, right? Yeah. It's a, Greg, that's it's impossible. A, very right? a guy couldn't a very be ranked story. in the eight. He couldn't know. He could be ranked in like the thousands at one point. Right. And be able to no. shoot up to a five star. No, that just can't that, happen. That, that's not a thing. That's not a thing in the world. If, if that happened, if that happened, you would, 
probably end up being like a mythical football player, maybe the best <laughs> ever to walk through uh, a certain stadium, right? Something like that. Oh yeah, for sure. So he's he's in. He's committed, and that's probably going to be a fight to the finish. Um, he, you know, he look. It's still early in the recruiting cycle, but now he's getting all these big offers. And regardless of him saying 100% all that, I, I don't care who the kid is. Your ears are open, right? Like your ears are always going to be open. So that you got to stay on top of that. That's a good pickup. Now there's all sorts of names that are out there. And the funny thing is the names that was that were the big names when this uh, cycle really started are gone. Tyler Morris, Michigan. Um, oh, what's the other kid that uh, – uh, I committed to, what was it? Ohio state, uh, Caleb Brown, another kid from Chicago on Ohio state. Like those two kids alone, a lot of that has to do with proximity. You know, Tyler Morris went to the same school, goes to the same school as what, uh, Julian love went. And, uh, Caleb Brown is St. Rita, which I think the last St. Rita kid we got was Darius Fleming, I believe. Um, but anyways, Chicago kid, these are the guys you're supposed to go after, right? If they're a high level Midwest talent, supposed to get them. Well, those those names are gone. Uh, now you got C.J. Williams possibly out, you know, out in California. Uh, Tobias Merriweather, uh, which is seems like a I don't want to say a lock, but a lot of people are think that he's leaning really hard uh, to Notre Dame right now. Um, I don't know. Did, I, I'm not even sure if I'm trying to make a point here, other than saying that there's a lot of good names on this list, and one of the, like the quote unquote worst names is Amorian Walker. It seems like they're looking to, they're, they're going to be improving on uh, the talent there at wide receiver. Like add, add, I don't know how many they're going to take. We're pretty, pretty sure Dell can't stick to his three uh, wide receiver group now. Uh, but I mean, I think, you know, you could probably say CJ Williams, say Tobias Merriweather um, to go along with Walker and, Shit, I don't even know. Uh, maybe the the I have my your kid. There's him. There's Nicholas Anderson. Um, yeah, Nick. And then he's uh, a, yeah. yeah. And then there's Xavier Bradshaw too. So in your mind, Greg, are are is Notre Dame doing the right things to? I I fucking hate the term closing the gap. I really do. I <laughs> fuck. I do. I. I think it's a kind of a, it's a, it's a lazy fucking phrase. Uh, so l- allow me to be lazy. Are they closing the gap at all? in wide receiver talent with, with the, co- with a combination of these guys, like four of these guys. Yeah. Like if you look at just the, what the offense, they, the kind of offense they want to run, right? Like they can, they are, you know, Amorian Walker, the, the big thing with him, as I recall, when he committed was uh, how fast is he really, you know? It, oh, I don't see the explosiveness. I don't see the burst. You know, I don't see the long speed. And it's like, okay, maybe, maybe, you know, we'll see. And then, and then I, he goes, I mean, many podcasts have been, have been about that. Right. Not ours. Many, right. podcasts, many podcasts, podcasts have been about that all the, over and over again. And then he goes and runs a four, four, one. Uh, for Alabama, like, look, 
you know, oh, oh, did he run that in shorts? I don't know if he ran it in shorts or whatever he did. It, it was good enough for Saban. Right? Like, what do you want me to say? Like, I don't like Saban saw him and he and and whatever he was wearing and whatever context it was, Saban the decided best receivers in the country over the last few years. We, the best receivers. We're right. Best so like, look at Alabama, right? He, it was good enough for him. Unquestionable, Alabama. So right. So if 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 it's good enough for him, then it's probably good enough for me too. And so it's just like it is what it is, right? He's ranked what he's ranked. the The point is that the speed question seems to have been answered. So you have that. So you have a long speed guy, right? And that's good. Everyone likes the speed situation. If he was short, I guess it would be even better. Like I want a short speed guy instead of a tall speed guy for whatever reason people say that. So if they get Tobias Merriweather and they get CJ Williams, I mean, these are two top 100 caliber players. What is there to complain about? Like, listen, if, if they didn't get Tyler Morris and they didn't get Caleb Brown for whatever reason, I don't know the reason they didn't get them, but those two guys are, are good. Like they're good players. Like I don't, I don't, the, the, the reason that people are freaked out by receiver just in general are the same is the same reason people are freaked out by the offensive line, which is because they don't trust those coaches. And they don't trust those coaches because, you know, I don't, I don't know why, actually. I don't know why well, people, I, people don't trust. People don't trust Quinn because he's not Harry. He stand for one. Well, they're also they're also freaked out by just, I mean, again, going back to the scholarship chart, go and look at 2022. Juniors and seniors, there is one player, Xavier Watts, who has caught all of zero passes at Notre Dame. And you have, I mean, you got Lindsey, Austin Keys, and Wilkins eligible for a fifth year that there. Do all four of them come back? I think that would be a, a no for all of them. Yep. I, I, I think I mean I think you get I think three of the four could come back. If but all I, four came back this year, went sideways, and somebody got hurt. Yeah, 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 agree. yeah, yeah. But I mean I, I I think you could have a good year and still have three of those guys come back. But but they but it still doesn't it negate it still doesn't negate the fact that you still have one guy between two classes that has. I'm, I'm, I was mostly talking about just the recruiting aspect of it. I understand the the roster, right, but I, I mean, I, but I mean, I think, but I think, but I, it's why I include the scholarship chart in every commitment post. It all goes hand in hand. Like you're recruiting yeah. for a reason, and the reason yeah. is to fill out your roster, and it certain things happen because of how your roster looks, not just like in the total scope, but how it's broke down. So I. And I think a lot of fans look at that in that same manner. Maybe it's because I dish it out so much, uh, and so do others. Uh, but like you look and see that that junior and senior class for next year only has one player. There's a lot of hot fire pointed at Dell for that. So, I mean, they, I mean you know, you and I, Craig, uh, Brendan, you too, we've all bitched about the the three receiver rule, right? Yeah. <laughs> The reason you don't have the three receiver rule is because of fucking things like this, where you have to get four 
in this class. Like you really have to get four in this class to, yeah. to, to fill out a, 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 a championship contending teams roster. Do you and have to get four is a lot different than just going out and getting four. And I think you, you get could get away. That way too. I think you can get away with three because I, I'm a firm believer that the transfer portal is going to be uh, hot and heavy. And, you know, I imagine Dell's going to love work in the transfer portal because he loves to play receivers that have been there for four years. Mm-hmm. That is his, that is his preferred <laughs> length of time that a receiver, I, he, you know, <laughs> Dell treats wide receivers like I treat a good whiskey, you know, <laughs> at least five years. You know, I don't want anything younger than five years. I mean, <laughs> if I could get a 12th year senior, come on. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do. I do think that the transfer portal in receivers, one of those positions. I mean, we saw Benny's go last year. They reached into the grad transfer portal. This isn't even the, the new fancy transfer portal. The one time transfers. Um, I think that's going to be, I don't think, I don't think though that you're going to get fans, a lot of fans to calm the fuck down until like sophomores start like having massive seasons. Like in 2022, you're going to have Styles, Colsey, and Thomas. And I think both Styles and Colsey this year in 2021 can have, and I, and I say breakout in a sense of they're a part of the game plan. Not not to say that either one of them is going to have like 900 yards and eight touchdowns. Which one do you think is going to have the bigger impact this season? Styles has got Styles has the the jump um, as far as experience because he was there for the spring. Um, I think, but I end up thinking it ends up being a need-based kind of a thing. Yeah. That, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think Coles ends up having a bigger impact kind of like, um, uh, kind of like a Stovall in a sense. Um, kind of the way they operated with him early in his career, you know, what Ty was there. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I mean, not, we're not talking about massive numbers here, but I mean, he's a, he's a tall guy kid and he can run. Double digit catches. Yeah. Double digit yeah, catches. I, 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 I was really, I mean, I, I really like styles a lot and I think styles cause he's going to have a huge styles impact. From? Maybe that's in Oh, he's from the great state of Ohio. Just checking. Uh, so and that's without question. Like, I, I wish these guys would start getting Ohio tattoos. Like this, well, all you, getting- you know, you can get an Ohio tattoo. It just costs you a pair of gold pants. <laughs> <laughs> they got many of them. <laughs> they got, they got a lot of them. Sadly, Notre well, Dame so, could have more. Well, Notre Dame could have more well, gold pants if they just would have beat Michigan in 2019. <laughs> well, are they gold or are they mustard? <laughs> that's a fair question. That is a fair question. Gold, uh, gold. It, it should they be hooker gold or sh- or not is another question. Um, because no, they should not be hooker gold. Um, but no, I, th- I mean, I think St- I think Styles, I think he's going to have a, a really good career at Notre Dame. I just don't know this year in 2021 who wanted to be more important offensively as a wide receiver. Yeah. Maybe that ends up being taking goalsy. the special teams out of the equation and w- watch it be Jaden Thomas. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like that. I've heard on, I've heard, I've heard people on other podcasts. I'm not going to say which podcasts, 
But I've heard people on other podcasts mention that uh, he's got the the most college ready body of the three. I, I don't know which podcast that was. Jaden Thomas does look good. Uh, I'll I'll say that. But I mean, they're gonna need some, they're gonna need one, if not both of them, to step up in some way, right? I mean, it's just I just don't think there's any way around that. Um, you need at least one. Right, that's you what I'm saying. You, you have just, to have at least one. Yeah, you got you got to. I, I think I, um, it's so I, I'm so nervous about Colsey because. I wouldn't have expected anything until he started running ten eights. <laughs> right, <laughs> and now and then it's just like I don't know. Am I supposed to? And like he and and not just that, but there was the the high jump piece too. That he was he was jumping like six eight. I mean, look, that that's it's it's an explosiveness thing. It, it's a it's a he can it, whatever you think of high jumping and whatever you think of track and field it's too it's evidence of um it's evidence of explosiveness explosive. that i did not think he had i did not think he had that and <laughs> i just TFT is my favorite greg track and field greg's the best greg it, it is and it's so now yeah, it i'm is. just like what i don't like i don't I, think I, listen twitter does not get enough track and field greg and, and, <laughs> and I love how incredulous Jude gets. Jude's like, I have no idea the frame of reference here, <laughs> and I love it. And I'm, I'm kind of with Jude. I'm just like, well, you know, Craig's excited. That's good for me. <laughs> Listen, what I, the, I, Craig, I what love was the question field. you asked earlier. You asked a track question earlier. Was what today? Or yesterday. I didn't. I don't yeah, think I, about what about football or just track and field in general. Ah, uh, I can't. Oh, I got. I can't remember. I but I laugh thinking like, like you kind of know like well like the the other three of us here are like, uh, I'll read it. You guys don't care, I bet. But nine eight nine was not good enough in the one hundred to make the Olympic team. Oh, that's enough. not a question. I'm just. I'm just. Uh, that was just and like my only response. This is my my response to, to to Greg telling me about how nine eight nine wasn't good enough to make the the hundred of the Olympics. My response was this. Usain Bolt named one of his newborn twin sons Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> the other oh, is St. Leo. <laughs> that was my track and field. Uh, you know. Usain went to the uh, Equinemius St. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, the, the John St. Brown school of naming children. Yeah. <laughs> Greg wasn't getting the track competition. He, he thought he was getting there. I've been I've been all into I've been all into track and field this spring, like with like like CJ Williams. I've been keeping up with his track and um, and Dion Colsey, CJ Williams. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of our a lot of our listeners might not be like Jude or Brendan or I as far as the track stuff goes. Like, I think it's important. It's great. But I just don't have any reference or frame of mind. I went out in high school. We went out, me and my best friend went out for track every year. And then after we, we did football in the fall, we did weightlifting in the winter. And in the spring, we went out for track for like the first two weeks. Like we went through all the practice shit and then we would just quit before the first meet because we wanted to go back home and nap. And so, wow. <laughs> and so we just did nothing for spring. We did that for four years. <laughs> so my track references aren't so great. 
And CJ Williams ahead. is uh CJ Williams is the wide receiver Notre Dame is high on from modern day, right? Uh yes. Yes. So he when I watched this film initially, um I was like, he doesn't seem all that fast to me. Just for, for like a what will you expect from a top one hundred player? Like and a Mon Rob St. Brown, right? Sure. He well, he seemed more he, he seemed more ex- he yeah he seemed more explosive. Well, he was explosive, not fast. Yeah, like he was fast, yeah. but he was just, he was more, more quick. Yeah, more he, quick he was fast. more of an explosive guy. And um, but Amon Ra Amon Ra also had something else besides that. Where like of all the St. Browns, he was the most wound up. This like he was yet. fucking wired. To, yeah, he was wired to scrap. Uh, where you know EQ was was more laid back about it. Uh, Osiris, I, he might be, he's like a human walking joint. And it says like, that's how laid back he, he's always come across to me, but I'm on raw was just <laughs> fucking joint. wired to compete. Yeah. I mean, he, I don't he know was how an ultra like, being like, like super laid back. Like, yeah. I could say all oh, the word ultra. I, I chose to use the phrase human joint. I don't know. <laughs> no, he, he was, he, he definitely was, but you just get back to CJ Williams. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to go off on a tangent. I'm going to forget. I don't want to forget. <laughs> so, um, so he didn't seem all that fast. And, and then I watched more things. And I was like, I don't know. Like I, I just, I don't know. I just thought he'd be faster. And then he was coming out and running. Um, he, he said he was going to run track. And I was like, oh, I wonder if he's going to be like a hundred guy. And then he ended up running the 400. And I'll be honest, like some of his first 400 times, like did not impress me very much. And as the season went on, the time started dropping, the time started dropping. And he ended up um, running a sub 50, uh, 400, it's like 49.8, which is, you know, not uber impressive from like a track and field standpoint. But when you think about like, he's six, two, he's very thick. Like he's a thick kid. He's got thick legs. Yeah. And he just like, he's, you could just tell like he's super tight. So it's, it's going to be hard for him to drop like a really good time because of just how like tight he is. And it, it was similar. He ran a similar 400 time to Tobias Merriweather and everyone was super fired up about what he did. So, um, at the end of the at the end of his track season, I thought, okay, like I'm actually all in on this guy. Actually, now that I but I, I don't know that he's like an outside receiver. I think and and um I wanna I wanna shout out Jamie Uyama for this because he wrote an article today about the type of player that Notre Dame is recruiting this cycle, and they're all really big, like Amarian Walker six four and and uh, Tobias Merriweather six four and C J Williams is six two. Nicholas Anderson, yeah. six four, exactly, good one. Yeah. So, um, every it, they all kind of are bigger guys, and he was like, you know, if you want explosiveness, um, go big. And and I, I, this is something that I had tweeted like a week ago, but I just tweeted like, remember when in 05 when Notre Dame's offense was super explosive and they had a bunch of big guys. And then he actually went and did research and articles and it was actually very well written. So I would go to Irish sports daily, J U Yama on uh, Twitter and read it. Very good article. Um, 
but that's what Notre Dame is doing. And so just to kind of get back to the whole receiver thing, like I'm personally, I know other people maybe, you know, wanting the slot guy, you know, a smaller player to kind of quote unquote compliment, but I don't know. I, I just, well, let me, I, I kind well, of like twi- the big twist guys. It, though. Well, let me twist it though. Now, <clears throat> would you consider 2020 Notre Dame passing offense explosive? Um, explosive from a standpoint of like, from being explosive. No, I wouldn't. On the, on the level of explosive, are they explosive? And they were all big. Guys. No, no, and the, I would say no. But it's not that they're big guys. It's just that other than other than other than Avery Davis, we're we're talking about like like Benny Scrott. I didn't. I didn't even think. I didn't even think. I didn't even think Avery Davis was that was that, but they didn't really try to be either. That was the other problem. It's not that it's not that they weren't. It's that they didn't consistently try to be. That's, That's a different what, conversation. But um, right. But I, but it's I, not. But I wanted. I wanted. Someone was going to point. Someone's. Someone was listening in their car and they about wrecked uh, into a fucking pine tree because they're thinking, wait, there was tall guys that our team let. You know. You know. I just. I just want to make sure it was put it out there. Like. There's differences in, the, in what these guys are as what those guys were, as well as what Notre Dame did in 2020, as opposed to what they want to do, right? Like, just, like just because you're 6'3", just because you have three wide receivers out there at 6'3", doesn't mean that, doesn't mean A, exclusively. Yeah, like just being tall doesn't equal explosiveness. Just like being small doesn't equal explosiveness, right? Like it's not it's how you it's how you approach the situation. Um if if I mean, we actually had a conversation about this on the UHND single high podcast today. So that'll be out tomorrow. Oh, that's a hell um, of a plug. No, it's that is a hell of a plug. We but we talked about we talked about whether Notre Dame can keep their offense kind of the philosophy, like the run first philosophy and still be an explosive team. And so it just kind of blends into what we're talking about now. And and I do think they could. And I think with these players, they could like, I see like a, a, a Marion Walker. Like I see someone who can stretch the field. I see, I see um, Tobias Merriweather as like a, like a Jeff Samarja type player who is just, he's tall but he's he's in and out of cuts. He, he can work across the field. I mean, he has after catch ability there. So I I don't know if if you're wondering about the receivers, like if they end up with Amarian Walker, C.J. Williams, and and Tobias Merriweather, and whoever, that sounds really nice. You should be pretty fired up. <laughs> you should be fired up. <laughs> uh, you should be fired up. And and the one thing too about big guy, little guy, uh, it doesn't matter really how little fast you are, I guess if you can't get off the line and you can't get separation. So that's one thing too. We're like Kelvin Johnson was pretty fast and he was very big. Um, and it only exacerbated the situation. The fact that he couldn't get jammed at the line. So he could get those long strides could get down in a hurry down the field and nobody could, nobody could jam him up. Um, so that's kind of what 2005 had going for it too. We're like, who's who's jamming Jeff Samarja at the line? Or Maurice Stovall. 
or Maurice Stovall. I mean, nobody. Yeah. Well, yeah. they didn't, for the most part. Uh, and if they did, they got thrown over their head. So yep. let, let's uh, let's move the recruiting conversation on just a wee bit here. Uh, over to, you know, for the most part, I would say this class so far has largely been defined by what Marcus Freeman is doing on the trail right now. Right. Like that's like that. That's the hot story. Can you cue up the everything is awesome song from the Lego <laughs> movie when it if we're going to talk about defensive recruiting right quick? Because well, everything here's is the awesome thing, though. and everything is cool when you're part of this team. But there's still only one player committed in the secondary right now, and that's Jaden Mickey. So while all these linebackers, like, look, we have three linebacker commitments, uh, Nolan Ziegler, Joshua Burnham, and Junior Tua Halamaka, and that's great. And there's, like, linebackers we're turning away, and we have – we have uh, we have a highness. You're, you're beating him off tackle. with a stick. Yeah, we have a highness. <laughs> you get you got a Tyson. You got Tyson Ford. You have a ascending Aiden Govera and a uh, of Irish, a true Irishman and Darren Agu. Yeah, but well, he's British, but he lived in Ireland. Yeah, he was born yeah. in London, for God's sake. We're going to count. We're going to count one thing and not the other. But when you get down to the secondary, which again, is one of the the big separators between yeah. it, 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 the elite teams are having these elite wide receivers. You're going to need elite defensive backs to cover these guys. Right now, we're still sitting at one. And look, he's a good one. I like Jade Mickey a lot. But there's not, there really isn't a whole lot of noise noise for anybody else. Like not like not loud. Like there was some there was some hope that like Jair Brown would we could get him to to flip from Ohio State. That's not going to happen most likely. Um, but I mean you know I still complain about Bobby Taylor's kid uh, going to A and M. That's like <laughs> that seems like that seems like two years ago and it's it's this cycle. Uh, I'm still bitching about it. What about the kid uh, from Iowa? Some- isn't there a kid from Iowa there on a safety Xavier or something? No, yeah, there it is. Yeah. That, that, that's uh, not a corner. That's one. No. Yeah. Right. Right now, specifically, I'm talking about corners. Well, I'm not really sold. Like what they're doing. Like. Jaden Lucas doesn't seem like a kid. That's that's I, I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't believe that's that. Notre Dame's going to be able to get it. Uh, Jaden Lucas, uh, you know, Jaden Gould, who's a teammate of uh, Steve Angeli's over at Bergen Catholic, he committed to SC along with a kid that Notre Dame offered from Bishop Gorman, Fabian Ross, along with another kid that Notre Dame offered and five-star Dabani Jackson. They're all going to SC. Uh, oh, just wait till mid-season when uh, Clay Helton's fired and all those kids are looking for him. <laughs> Not bad. But there is a, there is a kid that that I like a lot and I mean, he's still, he's a four star, but he's, he's kind of, one, he's ranked three, three nineteen overall. And that's Benjamin, Benjamin Morrison. And I think a lot of people thought that he was pretty much Notre Dame's to lose, but Notre Dame is going up against Washington for his services. 
Oh, and Notre Dame versus Washington for defensive backs yeah. has not been a winning tale. For Washington cannot beat Notre Dame on the football field. They, they cannot. Notre Dame is 8-0 against Washington. Mm-hmm. All time. I believe. And if they're not, they shouldn't so, be. I'm who's pretty the sure, last one? Asa sure Turner? It, it was Asa Turner the last one they oh. lost out on? Oh, sh- shit. There's... Yeah, he might have been the last one, but there, there, yeah, uh, there was, was a, on. there was a Gordon. Yeah. Who Too Kyler Gordon, ago. who, uh, yeah. Yeah. Who they're talking about being an all American talk maybe this year. Anyways, that's concerning because that's already been proven that that program can beat you out for West coast. Morris is from Arizona. That's still, that's West coast. They can beat you out for those West coast DBs, which Notre Dame just cannot get enough. Like, they recruit West Coast DBs more than I maybe just sticks out like they're the but they just they constantly recruit them. And it seems like they constantly lose them to the West Coast programs. Uh, I don't know, but they can't. Uh, was it Nick? Nikkei Martinez was supposed to come Nikai. up. He's from uh, Nikai. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, from uh, he's from Florida. They canceled his visit. I the, they like the the Osbury kid a lot uh, from Louisiana, uh, but he's from Baton Rouge, and that's a kind of a good luck. Well, it's just it's not an easy place to recruit. If he gets the LSU offer, does he have the LSU offer? It's a Logan Diggs thing. Yeah, that that's the problem with Louisiana kids is they're all just waiting for that LSU offer, and once they get it, you gotta oh he's got an LSU offer. No, he he does. It's just yeah, he's got um, one. Oh, he's look. Well, the Osbury kid's got an offer from Alabama. I think he's got it from all over. Does he have it from LSU? Yeah. I just, don't, I just don't know if they're recruiting him that hard. At any rate, the, it's not a it's not a picture that's very pretty. Like it's a it's a good looking picture, but it still needs an artist to get over there and put some work on it. And it's just, it's what it's of all the positions that we've been talking about and that they're going after cornerback really looks to me like the one that's like, kind of like it's up in the fucking air, which doesn't make it any different from most fucking years or Notre Dame recruiting where you're, you're just sitting there and uh, going into the falls, still scratching your head about corners. Why do you guys think that cornerback historically at Notre Dame has been such a difficult position to recruit? Because Mike Mickens should be doing a good job, right? But I think I think, I think Mickens is a good coach. I think. I, so. mean, I think I think he, I think he's doing a good a good job as a coach. And I mean, I can't. I'm not going to knock him completely on recruiting. I mean, we did get listen Ryan Barnes, Chance Tucker, Philip Riley, and JoJo Johnson in the last class. That's nothing to sneeze at. That's not nothing. But that's, that's not job. what Alabama. That's not what Alabama, LSU, and Ohio State pull in every year. Because those are the those are the three programs that consistently are churning out um, DBs to the NFL. And we love Julian Love. He's an earned five star, but earned earned five star but it's it's not the same thing right it just i mean it's not the I, same i'm just i'm what, what about notre dame signing day 
is it the position? Is it is it is it Notre Dame? What is it about the cornerback position that has been such a bugaboo for Notre Dame in recruiting? My theory on this is I think a lot of people a lot of people say that they haven't turned out um, first round picks um, in the draft from the corner position. So they haven't developed someone into a first round pick. I, I think that's kind of circular, right? Like chicken and the egg thing. Like they haven't developed any third first round picks because they haven't gotten any first round caliber players like Julian Love. Right. You say earn five star. He, he was a you know mid three star recruit that they turned into a fourth round pick like that's yeah. not a, a negative thing like that's a success story no, no. Um, you know Two Troy Pride American. right Troy Pride was a was a you know I, I guess low four star player he was a low who, four yeah who they turned into a third round pick that's not a bad job that's a good job um, I in my opinion. It's that they didn't. They have not played the style of defense that lends itself to top corners wanting to play there. Do you think Freeman. that's because Notre Dame's? Do you think yeah. that's because Notre Dame's looking for a like when we start looking at highly ranked cornerback recruits? It, the, the numbers, the numbers between the five ten and five the, the five ten guys and the six foot six one guy. Notre Dame takes. They like the six footers a lot, right? Well, they were they playing were taller corners, and those are always the guys that are ranked as high. Now, I mean, you get a you get to be a, a five star six foot one cornerback, and that guy's a fucking stud. Yeah. But I'm saying is there there's fewer numbers of them, so your hit rate is going to take true. a hit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were playing before their style of defense was everything in front of you and they didn't put their corners. They didn't, they didn't get their corners on islands. Right. Well, they, um, they weren't asking a whole lot of them. Other no, than right. which we're going to, we're, I mean, we're going to, my having watched Cincinnati over the seasons under Freeman, get ready for that. That's going to give up some big class plays, but because um, the corners are going to be asked to do some stuff. Well, like, look so, at the schools. Difference? Look, look at the school. Difference? Yeah, because look at the schools who who um, who get the corners. Right. So like Michigan gets a lot of good corners. They play press yeah. man all the time um, to their detriment. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> right. He, he puts them in bad spots, but like they, they get to play that spot. And so they get those guys. You look at Ohio State; they get a bunch of corners. They play press man. You look at Alabama, right? They play they play a lot of zone. I mean, they play a ton of schemes. But then that's they Nick Saban, it. right? Like he's the 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 defensive back whisperer. So that's kind of a kind of a uh, unique situation. But basically, I think the top corners want to play press man. They want to be in man coverage. They don't want to be sitting in a zone, giving up five yard outs all the time. You know, they, they, and I don't think Notre Dame appeals to that. They just don't. So and so I want to point I want to point something out real quick. because we're, we're, A lot of this has to do with like just kind of like perception. Right. Because because we're talking about five stars, four stars and all that. Right. Like the perception of the recruiting. And so but Notre Dame, if they like the taller recruits, let's just put of the of the, all the guys they offered at corner, the 25 offers out right now. The three five stars that they've offered, 
six one, six one, and motherfucking six three. Will Ooh. Johnson, who's committed to Michigan, it's fucking six three. Uh, but you have to. I mean, it is six foot, six one, six two. There is a few like Jaden, Jaden Mickey. He's <laughs> he's five eleven and a half. On the shorter side of Notre Dame Knights, they have one offer out to Avery Powell at St. Peter's in New Jersey. He's five nine. But other than that, I mean, we're talking 5'11 up, and most of them are in that six foot, six one range. And so, I know Brian Kelly talks about shopping down a different aisle. For corner, they are, but it's not necessarily like the talent level. It's just like these are the guys. These are these are the guys they're going after more so than, and that that mix up is a little so different. You're saying they're recruiting a body type more so than a guy. Yes. Yes. And that's been the game. Maybe that yeah. changes. Maybe that changes a little bit with Freeman moving forward, but that's been the case in Notre Dame for shit since Corwin Brown was here. I mean, you gotta think they've, they've been recruiting taller corners for, for 15 years now. Not to say that they always getting them. I mean, what, what was, uh, Julian love was what? Only five ten. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I I mean I looked I looked at the uh, just quick peek at the 2023 class and it's still just big guys for the most part so it doesn't seem like they got a five nine kid but he's a you know top 100 player so it still looks like they're recruiting big tall seems Josh. to be but the oh sorry about that what Josh no, 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 where no, do good. you where do you have Devin Moore Well, I mean, is he getting recruited as a corner or as a safety? He's gonna he's recruited as a corner, right? I don't agree with that in a sense that I think he's a safety. If you're gonna make a safety a corner, and I think in today's game that's not what we should be doing. But usually it goes the other I'm way. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna second guess. Freeman and Mickens and, and act like I know better than they do. Cause I don't, um, but just, you know, quick thought about it. I, I mean, I like him, but I like him as, and maybe, maybe they're thinking Nickelback, you know, not every guy that they recruit is going to be your starting corner for two or three years. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, you're putting nickel out there more and more every year, right? Like that nickel is almost your base defense at times. Or, or could be. So if you're recruiting him more as like maybe along the lines of a nickelback, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, if again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to act like I know more. I'm not I'm not that podcast that acts like I know more than these coaches do. Uh, just because I live near Defiance, Ohio. <laughs> but I mean, I, I mean, I'm fine with it. I just I I think he's more of a safety than a corner. Um, and I can't wait to be proved wrong if, if, if he ends up committing, I, I know he's a, I, I don't want to say, I don't know if he's a heavy lean, but I know that's a guy that a lot of people are thinking, um, will probably end up in this class. Yeah. Yeah. So it, just to kind of bring it back to the, the whole, um, the situation at corner, I think, I think they're looking at more, I think they're looking at Morrison, you know, there's kind of conflicting information on where Notre Dame actually stands with Morrison. I think 
I think Notre Dame thinks that they're in a really good spot with him because they they, they moved on from Nakai Martinez. Right, but you know as well as I do, if Washington's in the mix, that's a fun no, one. for sure. I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like that. That's they they have they have basically narrowed it down to Morrison and Moore and um, Jaden Bellamy. So you know that that's where it is. It, it, to, to kind of like to bring it all together in terms of just the secondary and just kind of recruiting at large Notre Dame's in a really weird place that I don't I'm I'm I've been trying to think of if they've ever been in this position before where they are seemingly on the verge of a tremendous class and there's you know supposedly four five six silent commits and it's like it's kind of like with Singleton, right? There are so many players who you're just kind of like, yeah, okay, he's in and he's in and he's in, but when you go and click on the page of commits, like they're not there. So it, it's just they're they're in a really <laughs> weird spot with like, hey, like they have a bunch of silence, but those silence do need to become public at some point because or the supposed longer, silence, supposed silence, right? So the longer this goes. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe we're not at like, we're, like they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable at running back in terms of Singleton. Cause if they don't get him, they're going to be done. And they're vulnerable at corner because if, if they don't get Morrison, if somehow Washington pulls him off, now you're looking at, at Moore and, uh, and Bellamy, if he wants to be in. And then it's like, where are they at safety? You know, they, they canceled the uh, Kevin Winston, the Kevin, right. the, the KJ Winston. They canceled his visit. So it's like you're looking at Nwankwa or Pope. And, you know, everyone has or good bo- feelings or about both, maybe or both. Or but both. everyone has good feelings about Pope at the moment. Everyone has good feelings about Nwankwa at the moment. Like we don't the, the good feelings have to actually end up in a good situation and and there's reason to think that they will but it's also like not a sure thing like this is recruiting like everyone (laughs) thought that billy shrouth was gonna be in the class by now and he is not and no one knows what's going on and so it's where is he i don't know like what's the situation everyone's been, you know, doing the hint, hint, wink, wink thing with him since like March. And last I checked, it's June 22nd. So, there is nothing Notre Dame. Recruiting. And he's already been on his official. There's yeah. nothing Notre Dame recruiting message board and Twitter loves more than a good old fashioned silent commit. And and there's just been so many. I've never, so many. I've never. It's been that way it. for as long as like, I Jay, can remember like following Sneed, Notre Dame football. Jane Sneed has been a, and I'm going to put it this way. When I say a silent commit, I'm saying that's the feel from the fan base right now that this person is a, no one. If, the, if everybody knew that someone was a silent commitment, he's not a silent commitment. Everybody, he's a commitment. But the feel from the, like Jaden Sneed has been like the longest silent commitment. <laughs> it is. If he, if he didn't end up at Notre Dame, it would not, feel like no. a decommit. Yes. Yes. I mean, a lot of these guys would like, 
Yeah. Right now, if Singleton commits to Penn State, that would feel like a decommitment because of the things that have happened over the last couple of days. Yeah. If Jake Sneed does that, that's how it feels. I mean, there's there's a few. If if Tobias Merriweather commits elsewhere, yeah, that feels like a decommit. And so that means that you're in a really good spot right now, but it also means that I like that word that you're kind of vulnerable in a sense that a lot of what Notre Dame is doing on the recruiting trail now hinges on them believing or accepting that certain guys are going to be a part of this class that haven't publicly said that they're going to be a part of this class. Yeah. So that that's a, that's a risk, but it's also, I mean, it's a risk. Yeah, and it's 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 a risk that I don't I don't see how Notre Dame can avoid it. It's it's unavoidable. It's just they've found themselves in a situation where you know I, I it's it's again it's it's the weird kind of year where th- these guys they they come on the visit and they came in feeling good and then they they go on the visit and they say you know I just. I just want to take these other visits because I haven't been able to visit anyone. Yeah. Well, and, and, here's, a, and here's another thing that. Go ahead and finish that. I'm sorry. Well, no, I was just, I was just going to say like Notre Dame, how do you, you can't, you can't every, you know, someone told me the other day, like, Oh, Notre Dame is accepting silence. And it's like, well, you can't not accept them that, that what do they, what are they going to do? Like if the kid tells them like, Hey, I just, so you know, like I'm pretty sure I'm going to come here, but I want to take this other visit. Like Notre Dame can say, no, 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 you can't say that. Like you can't like, it's just, the situation is what it is. And they're not going to go full Dabo. They're not going to go full Dabo. And just to, to, just to kind of highlight the situation that they're in. Right. So you have Dallin Hayden and you have Nicholas Singleton and you have Sawchuck in that order of visits. So Hayden comes and he says, I love it. I, I, I had a great visit and things are going great. Then he goes to Ohio State the next weekend. That weekend, you have Singleton in. Singleton comes and the vibe seems to be that he has at least made some signal he really wants to come. And well, what do you do with Sawchuck then? Because you're going to take him. It, it, you you want to Nicola, You want um, Singleton to know we will take you. Singleton's higher on their board than Sawchuck. Right, because he was first. They had to rank him out. They they were they they were in on Singleton. I think before the other the other two, just from like from two years ago. Right. So it's like they want Singleton to know what we you we will take you. We really want you in this class. And but then you have Sawchuck coming in. So then what do you do with that? You know, you can keep recruiting him, but then you can just say, okay, we're just going to go all in on Singleton. He has made it clear that we are a very major player. We should just go in all in on him. Now, it turns out, it seems that Sawchuck may have made the decision for him, right, for them. But maybe they were already feeling like, ah, we don't even need to like try to convince this kid. Let's just stick with Singleton. And and then Hayden makes his decision for Ohio State. And now they're vulnerable. Now you only have the one. So it, it's just a weird time. It's a weird situation across the board. One thing that people need to 
and, and this includes us, is that we need to keep in, in check here is that as of right now, Notre Dame has 15 commitments. Sounds good to me. That's a lot. That's yep. a lot. And so when I did the when I did my story the other day about um, you know where this class could could rank in the in the overall team rankings, when I when I added the players' names to it, and I I, th- I felt I was being honest and you know kind of like conservative in 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 some aspects, but I still came up with a a twenty seven player class, and. I, and I, I was ready to do battle with anybody that was gonna that was gonna complain about that. No one, I don't think anyone did. But like, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past their name at all. Twenty-seven, tw- twenty-seven, twenty-eight players in this class. Uh, and there's reasons why. I mean, there's gonna be attrition. There's, they'll, they'll know. But that still, there still seems to be a. Is that back to back twenty-seven less, player classes? It would be crazy. Yeah. But it would be, yeah. But there's still well, the attrition be, that like, happened in 2018. With 2018 was 27 too, right? Right. So what I'm saying though is that like there's all these guys that we're talking. We brought up a lot of names tonight, and a lot of those names we believe. I'm just speaking for all three of us here. Most most of those guys are like kind of leaning towards Notre Dame, if not silent commits. But there's not a whole lot of room left. Like 15 is still a high number. 13, getting 13 more is still like that's a lot. But then again, when you start, when you, when you start putting all these names together, go down the list like I did on each position group. Go down and like who they could grab. You get past 13 pretty quickly, and you're like, oh fuck, I still need like a couple safeties, or at least a safety. Like they're in on a lot of guys right now, so. Turning away visits, that's a real thing because now they are really playing a numbers game. And it's not like to keep like the class at tw- – can you imagine this class had to be like 20 or 21 players? Oh, my God. How, how, oh, what a headache that is. How many how many players are turning away on that one? Jeez. But like they're – oh, man. I, I honestly believe they're going to – I don't know what the number is going to be, but I, I have a strong feeling it's going to be – in the area of 27 players again. That sounds, that sounds right to me. Between normal attrition, normal attrition, plus the, um, the transfer portal scenario. And you are, you know, you're right there right now, as we speak for 2022 with all, all of our commitments and everybody possible coming back in 2022. And, And that includes, uh, all, All four wide receivers. receivers. Yeah. You're, you're at, sitting at 86, 85 scholarships. So I think with just normal attrition, the transfer portal and all that, I think 27 is probably along the realm of what's going to happen here. So get ready for a kick-ass 2024. <laughs> So, I, I, but um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I would just like to say, as far as the silence go, I'm old enough to remember Aurelius Ben being silently committed. Um, I, I'm old yeah. enough for Omar Hunter, right? 
Oh, uh, God. He gone. He gone. I just, I don't know. There's just a part of me that's broken. From any time I see Silent commit, I think of a kid that, as soon as I see Silent, I think of a kid that's unwilling to commit, and I don't count him. At that point, I don't count him because until they're willing Bobby to Frazier. at least put it into the ether. Because I'll tell um, Alex, what is it, Anzalone? Uh, well, he was take, a public, but <laughs> he's a public commit. I will take that over getting Aurelius Bend and going nah. into signing day and like having having that heartbreak of just it not happening. Deontay Greenberry. Deontay Greenberry. Just, no man, Lorenzo Booker. Lorenzo Book. Oh God, just all the silent commits. I mean, Tommy just Tommy Frazier's still the all time for me. The all time. Oh, yeah, I mean, right there. Yeah, it's, it's just I, I need I need you I need the I need the commitment, and I I always wonder why they just can't commit. Can, has anyone been able to explain why that they just can't say okay we commit? Uh, yeah, well, some. Go ahead. I mean, dude, they want the they want the lifestyle still, and and some of it is they want the lifestyle. And for some of these kids, specifically because it's Notre Dame, like if, if you were a kid in deep and not Georgia, because I think the Atlanta kids, it's a different breed. Like it's, it's a, it's a different story down and it's a different story down in Florida too. But like, if you're, if you're a kid down in Baton Rouge or, or, or you know, maybe you're a kid in Clemson's back, whatever it is, I think a lot of them don't want that added pressure of peers family, friends, coaches about their choice. You know I mean? They're, they're not ready to deal with their choice with the people around them in their lives. Actually a good explanation. You know what I mean? I, I think, I think that's happened multiple times. I think a lot of the people that were silenced that we didn't end up getting, I think that's what ends up happening is that they, they finally, they, they, they hold on to that sliver of, of I'm not going there. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going there. I might go somewhere else. And then you hold on to it long enough and then it, it becomes more of a reality. But yeah, I think a lot of them hold off and make it a public because they don't want to have to fucking deal with any of the fallout locally. And then, like I said, then you just got some guys who were like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to lock up my, sp-. some coaches will let them lock up their spots with a silent. You, know, you can, you can only play hardball with so many recruits, mm. right? With like, like the big the big name guys, you're not gonna play a whole lot of hardball with. If you're Notre Dame, if you're Alabama, you can do that. But but you still, you, I don't believe you can do that in Notre Dame. You can't play hardball with a five star wide receiver who says I want to silent here, but you only got two spots. I don't think Notre Dame's gonna play hardball with that. And they never have. I mean, they just, it's on a case by case basis. But they're kind of maybe they're just kind of like trying to lock up a spot, but still want to go on visits. They still want. I mean, they want just watch some of these. Uh, I see them now on TikTok more, more and more. But like these recruits, when they go on their visits, all the shit that goes on. I mean, I want that. I like. I would like to take a couple official visits. So, coaches, if you're out there, I am fucking six one, two hundred sixty pounds. I can still run a sub five forty. And I would make a fantastic fucking fullback. Uh, just saying. 
If so, you need a fullback, I have three kids, and so I can do it, man. I can fucking I can block for your five star tailback. No problem. I will lay the body out. Just take so, me on that couple official visits. Why didn't die me? Why didn't die me? Feed me. Take me to the steakhouse, Charlie Weiss, whatever. I would. Uh, what I'll say is, if you want to ex- understand the silent commitment situation, is you know, on The Bachelor, right? Once it's uh, yes, the, the hit television program, the the, one, the hit television program, The Bachelor, or The Bachelorette. Once it gets down to the final three or final four, there's the fantasy suite, right? Well, you you've picked you've picked you've chosen your choice, but you're still going in that fantasy suite, you know. And so. <laughs> Sometimes players are just like, hey, look it. I, I, I know what I want to do, but. Is this a man dating thing? How dare you? There's more truth to that than, than meets the eye. I mean, that is 19 <laughs> year old man out dating where you, you got this girl. She's a she's a she's cute. She's cool. Blah, blah, blah. But you got like six others that are calling you showing up. You're not really telling them leave. Especially when you're in college. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Right. So the point is, is they, it just like, it's, it's fun. It's fun time. It's a fun time. You can, you you go and, and it's like, you know, I just want to see, right. Especially the kids the, this year who it's like, you haven't been anywhere. You haven't been on any campuses. You haven't been able to right, speak to anyone. Right. And I think that's a huge point. That's a yeah. huge point. Like they're, they're ready. They, they sell their teammates uh, from, you know, when they were freshmen, you know, their teammates that were out there getting recruited and they, they haven't had that. They haven't had that, that, that uh, pre junior year, junior year experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, we've finally come to the part of the podcast, which it seemed like you got you were Greg, you were really concerned about what we were going to talk about <laughs> at this point. And I, 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 had, I wasn't I wasn't concerned. I just I just wanted I had three words for you. And that was it. <laughs> so we were at we are at rank everything. It, it feels like it's been a bit since we've ranked everything. Yeah. Uh, so we're at rank everything. We give our top fives. And tonight, my three words to Greg were top five bowls. He asked, he asked several questions. And my answer to each was top five bowls. Of course. So. Yes. Craig, what are your top five bowls? Okay. Um, I guess in some order. Oh, the top three are just kind of not in order. They're just they, – they came to my mind. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with my number three that I put out to you guys because it's fun. Just running the track and field. Um, my, my number five is Matthew Bowling who is a sprinter from Georgia. He can run. I know that kid. He's he from can, Texas. He can, he can run. 
And he was in the trials this year. He didn't he didn't qualify for the Olympics. He had kind of a rough outdoor season in terms of his own expectations. Um, but I just really like him. I've, I've, I've always kind of liked him. He's, he's repping for the, my Caucasian brethren in the sprinting ranks. Um, so I, his high, I, his high I there's dozens of us, dozens, there's dozens, high school, there's dozens of his us. high school track highlights, which are a thing. He made high school track highlights a thing. He yeah. honestly did. Yeah. Are sick as fuck. Yeah. Like just, it's like, it looked a lot like Hussein Bolt, the way he just like killed everybody. That's what it looked like. He just killed everybody. He was so fast. Yeah. So, fast. so if I can mix in the track and field, I'm always going to do so. Um, so number four, uh, just a, just a, a classic, wonderful uh, bread bowl. Be it a chili bread bowl, be it a clam chowder bread bowl. Um, broccoli cheese bread bowl you know i i get really disappointed when i see people out and they they eat the 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 soup and then they they just kind of have a little bit of the bread and they throw the rest away and that just really hurts my feelings because the bread the, the bread and the carbs it's 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 for your soul it's for your heart um it's it's for it, it's just for everyone. And, and, and I just, for me, there's nothing, it's energy. And, and you know what it, it folks, if, if you want to kind of get away with, um, you know, eating all those carbs, then eat it up, wait a couple hours and then run and sprint a few times up a hill. And then there they go. The, the energy is used up and you, the best of both worlds, you're in even better shape. So <laughs> that's how that's, yeah, it is how it works. So that's what I say. Um, what is that number four? So number three, a delicious bowl of ice cream. You know, it, it, nothing ends a meal. It's like, would you like to have a bowl of ice cream, Greg? Yeah, I would like to have a bowl of ice cream. I would. Absolutely not. Throw it no, right you, you know what? You know what is wrong with you, Brendan? Is that I you're turned down bad. ice cream a lot. That that's I don't understand it. It must be an Ohio thing. You know what? You know what? I don't turn down. You know what? That's, I don't go, turn that's down coming from a man who's like seventy pounds overweight. You know, you know who, you know who has the best bowls that? of ice cream. You know who has the best bowls of ice cream. I've I've been told it's uh, Penn State. I've yeah, been Penn told State. it's. I've been told it's the the wonderful. Italian eatery establishment, the Olive Garden. They uh, they've got some really good fucking, ice cream you know, selections. I, it's not like I couldn't tell from the DMs today that there wasn't <laughs> some type of slander on the Italian heritage at some fucking point. <laughs> so I, no, I, I I really, but in all seriousness, a bowl of ice cream. It I'll really, address it, that. I'll address that in my final rant. Good. It. it what, the, are you, Wait, I thought the Italians they eat gelato. They they don't eat ice cream. They the eat gelato, gelato, right? The, yeah, the, the bowl the, of the gelato. gelato. The gelato, it's not, yeah. It's different. It's the gelato. Yeah, the gelato. Yeah, the gelato. I think you nailed it. Um. <laughs> okay. The okay, my number two, Hollywood Star Lane's bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> 
the bowling alley from the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's just, I guess, just a tremendous. Every every bowling scene in that movie is just honestly like if if it was just that without the rest of it, I could probably just be just fine. Um, even though the rest of it is fantastic, that's how good but the I mean, bowling of, scenes are. Most of the best scenes happened either at the bowling alley or out in the parking lot of the bowling alley. Yeah, yeah. This is not nom. There are rules. Yes. Over the line. No, it's great. So I, the, nobody fucks with the Jesus. No one fucks with the Jesus. Um, I believe in nothing. <laughs> and so I guess my my number one is controversial to Brendan, although it's it it holds sentimental not, value. It is not controversial to college football, uh, the fiefdom that is college football. <laughs> it's it, it it actually has less to do with college football and more to do with um, my childhood, I guess. So my number one is the Rose Bowl, and. The thing with the Rose Bowl is so it's the Rose Bowl stadium is about I don't know 20 minutes 15 20 minutes from where I grew up and all the big events happen at the Rose Bowl in terms of like you're playing in a big soccer tournament if you end up at the Rose Bowl like everyone talks about we want to make it to the Rose Bowl because that's where the big ending tournament is held. So you're, you're always wanting to get there. And, you know, I was lucky enough. My, our teams were lucky enough to get there a couple of times. So, and then I, I went to numerous, um, you know, soccer camps there, football camps. Um, I was, I was recruited by UCLA in 1998 so i you know luckily it was ucla and not usc so us ucla got all of the the they just give you tickets right even if you're like a nothing recruit all you got to do is call their office and be like hey i want to come with my dad to a game and they'll just leave you tickets and so we got we went to all the home games in 1998 so it was a very good season to be you know going to all the ucla home games because they were good then but so there's just that there was that time that I spent with my dad going to things and my dad was always my coach. So he was there for all of my tournament games and those, the playoffs and that sort of thing. So the Rose bowl, when I hear about it, it always, it brings me back to that feeling of like, Oh, you want to go to the Rose bowl? Like it was known as like a, this is just like a special place. And now I don't really even associate it as like the bowl game with um, like the big 10 and the pac 10. Like I don't even, it's not even that kind of association for me. It's more of a, a place that you went that was special when I was like a little kid. So that's why, that's why I told you like, we, it, it's different if you grew up there because it, it's actually a venue where special things happen. And I not. got so jacked up. I got so jacked up when you said 1998 UCLA. Why? Why? Because <laughs> that was the year UCLA was ten was ten and zero. Yeah. 
and went into uh, they lost to Miami. Yeah. Nineteen ninety eight, UCLA started the season ranked number six. They played Texas at home, beat Texas. Texas ranked twenty three at the time. They're just rolling through. They beat number ten Arizona, rolled Arizona. That was at AZ, but or uh, number eleven Oregon. That was Joey Harrington, right? In ninety eight. No, it was a it was Achilles Smith. Yeah, Smith. Smith. That's right. Yeah. You should know that one. I was at that yeah. game. It but was after, awesome. After that, that was when uh, UCLA, the UCLA Bruins, went into that game against Oregon. The number eleven ranked Oregon team, ranked number two in the fucking country. UCLA became the number two team. I don't know how the hell they had a shit game against Stanford. It looked like 28-24. They dropped number three. Uh, and then stayed at three as they rolled through the rest of their Pac-10 schedule, beat USC 34-17. And then, uh, yeah, they, they they lost a 49-45 game to Miami at Miami. Like, why are they at Miami? Why did they go to Miami December 5th? That doesn't make any sense. And then they lost to the Rose Bowl uh, in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin uh, 38-31. Was a, this was a national championship caliber UCLA team. That you yeah. were getting recruited by, that you went to the home games. That's yeah. fantastic. It I, was a good time. You said '98, and I'm like '98 UCLA, and I'm like, there's something, there's something about that '98 UCLA team. I just know there is. Yeah, but it was. There uh, was. Cade McNown, Deshaun Foster, um, <sighs> Danny Who was Farmer. Whiteout. Who was the big wideout? It was Danny Farmer. Okay. Yeah, he was like a volleyball player. <laughs> and then he went out and it was almost like their version of Samarja. Like it was he was a, he was a really good volleyball player and then he you came out I, and just balled. I don't know what I don't know what their 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 points per game were it was it was 39.7 which seems low when I'm looking at like 49, 42, 49, 52, 40, oh they had a couple of 28s in there. That's why but that 41, 45, Jesus. It was Just, such a, it was, it, was, they, they, it was such a fun, like they had such a fun style of play. Like they would just chuck. Yeah. It was, oh, they were always chucking the ball and it was, it was like super exciting. <laughs> so. Well, that's great. Yeah. So uh, I like the rules. Bowl. I'm Toledo. All right, Brendan, we're on to you and your top five bowls. Well, see, this is pretty easy for me. Um, Because when I think of my top favorite bowls, uh, it starts absolutely. um, Well, with a bullet, number one is the. Endless bowl <laughs> at Olive Garden of soup. <laughs> you fucker. Because they just keep bringing out that Zupa Toscana, and then they have the trash Parmesan with the weird plastic grinder, and they just keep grinding the cheese on there. And you got to put the cheese in because the soup's not good. But, like, it's bottomless. It's a bottomless bowl of soup. So that's definitely on my list. Probably number five. This is, this is blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> At a number new fucking level. Number at four. At a brand new level. Number four, I, I, 
have to say probably is the bottomless bowl of salad at Olive Garden because once again it's bottomless and I'm not, I don't know what I do with the peppercini pepper like uh, the pepperoncini I I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it cuz like they put it in there with the tomatoes that are like slightly white because they harvest them when they're um, unripened and then in the freezer wow. truck that they keep there for like seven years, they eventually ripen over time. Um, so I normally just end up like biting it and then like spitting the juices back out into the bowl because it's horrible. Uh, so that's probably my number four. Um, the number three is probably Minute Bowl because it's really funny to see Minute Bowl <laughs> uh, post up because he threes. Shoot threes. Shoot a three, man. And he looks like he, he had a stroke. Wood. And you know what? The 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 OG uh the OG five. The OG uh the the versatile five guy. Way before oh, yeah. his time. I mean he was Kevin Durant before Kevin Durant. That's right. <laughs> um, and you know, he was the he was the original Slim Reaper, if we're gonna be honest. Uh <laughs> Uh, number two probably is the endless choose your own pasta bowl at Olive Garden. Um, Cause if I'm getting ready for a big race, like Greg said, um, it's just about like carbo loads and like, I don't want the sodium that comes with salted. Like if I prepare pasta correctly and I salt the water, I can't do that for my carbo load from a big race to lose weight. Um, and I'm, I'm doing the Regina King method of weight loss. I'm like, I'm eating lots of carbs, right? So, so no salt, give me that saltless pasta with the, the abjectly awful ragu tier marinara. And why it. don't they use, why don't they use salt for their pasta? It's too expensive, man. But too expensive because why? Oh, cause then you can't reuse they the water. Salt. Because it fucking eats up their pots, they said. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. Is a yeah. Fuck, it's a terrorist organization that you were propping up. And then I think my favorite uh, bowl um, is definitely the uh, Battle Frog Fiesta Bowl. Right? <laughs> Did we only I, get one Battle Frog? We only we... got one Battle Frog Fiesta Bowl. But damn it. We will have it forever. But it was ours. It was ours. It was our Fiesta Bowl. I have a, I have a Battle Frog Fiesta Bowl Christmas ornament uh, that has never been put on a tree. <laughs> oh. In fact, I have several Fiesta Bowl Christmas decor items from a couple of different Fiesta Bowls uh, if, that will never be honest. Of if we're going to be honest, though. The Fiesta Bowl can suck a fucking dick. That bowl <laughs> and location has fucked over Notre Dame since they stole a spot in 1996. Since the 96 Fiesta Bowl curse, that bowl has haunted us for yeah, the you're thinking 90, 1994, but yes. Or yeah, the 94 one. Yeah, yeah, 94. The 94, 94 the 94 one. Well, I was thinking 96 cuz they went 6 and 4 in the season, right? 96, they were eight and three. Yeah, right. Yeah. But they went six and four and went to the Fiesta Bowl in uh, 94, right? Yeah, the sweet. The Orange six, Bowl loss six, four, and one. Jesus. Was yeah. It, was that it 95 hurts. or 96? It was the Orange Bowl loss of Florida State. Uh, it was 95. 95. And then 96 okay. was the Gator Bowl, right? Debacle? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerseys. 
fuck. Ugh. Yeah, but since the 94 Fiesta Bowl, that bowl has haunted Notre Dame. Name me, uh, I mean, they should have won the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, Anthony Gonzalez fumbled. I don't care. If they, if they, if you want to tell me that Notre Dame doesn't fumble. Um, no, Gonzalez fumbled that ball. He fumbled. Gonzalez fumbled the ball. He fumbled the ball. Zibby had, in, that's, a, that's a Zibby touchdown. That's a ball game. Uh, yeah. It's a ball game. That, it is a cursed bowl game. And then within the first quarter of football, Jalen Smith's knee explodes into a thousand pieces. Uh, yeah, that really hurt my feelings. Yeah. yeah and where right, did they, man. where did, where did they play the first playoff game against Clemson where they couldn't even get off the field uh, offensively or they couldn't stay on the field offensively? Where oh, was, was it? Cotton. Yes. Or was it? Oh, it was a cotton ball. That was cotton ball. All right. Well, which we can't, which, which we can't talk shit about, right? No, that's no. our last, those are our last two big bowl wins. <laughs> no, we like that bowl. <laughs> back to back cottons. <laughs> no, but fuck the Fiesta Bowl. I buy it. I buy, I buy that before I buy anything from fucking Olive Garden, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, I mean, the, 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 Red. All I see is red. Uh, all right. Here's my my top five here, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll go we'll go in order. Uh, number five, just a, a bowl of weed, man. There's uh, I, it's been it's been, it's been a year. It's it's been a few years, uh, but uh, just a a nicely packed bowl of weed. Uh, just between you and you and your bro, you know, it's it's. 4:30 in the morning, you're down by the lake, uh, and you magically have just enough left to uh, to put in this beautiful brass uh, container uh, that you know lets you drift off into a, a fun sleep. Uh, number four, the 1987 California Raisin Bowl, uh, which is the last bowl win for uh, the Eastern Michigan Eagle, Eastern Michigan Hurons, uh, 1987. Uh, I'll pray. I mean, bring back the raisin bowl. Where did you hear about uh, that one? Was it through the grapevine? <laughs> I, that was the, no, hey, that was, the that, song. that's on all the merch. That's, if you can get a, if you get a hold of that merch, that's all over it. Why does that, that was a hit song with your, um, strongly worded email to, um, the good brand. Did you include some Eastern Michigan feedback about getting some uh, California Raisin Bowl merch? I haven't, I haven't merch? sent the email yet. I'm st- I'm still taking uh, suggestions. Like Boomer had a good one. I can't even remember what it was, but Boomer gave me a good one uh, for Notre Dame. Uh, oh, about Bengal Bouts. Yeah, Bengal Bouts. Uh, really good brown. Which, by the way, I got my uh, by Bevo shirt today. Stunning, absolutely stunning. I'm not sure when and where I'm going to wear. The Bebo shirt. I already I wore my LSU shirt the other day. And my kids are so confused right now. They're fucking. So the confused. next you should wear it the next time Texas is proclaimed back. Oh, so, for sure. Uh, so A and M's this week. I so that I'll I'll I'll, I'll allow that. I, I'm holding on to my uh, my two uh, my two holds like they were sacred. Because I am very scared that USC is still out there. Uh, also very scared about my about Miami. Cannot have that show, show for the house. Um, 
number, where am I at? Number three, a good bowl of chili with beans. Yeah. I mean, if you're eating chili without beans, uh, you have personal problems and you also have some strange Texas allegiance that I will never understand that makes no sense other than to Texans and want to be Texans. Uh, beans are a peasant's filler. <laughs> they call them chili beans for a reason. It is for peasants to fill out their chili because they couldn't afford to have cuts of real meat. <laughs> there is. Is that true? I mean, yeah. Just give me a big bowl of beans. Like what else? What else is gonna clean you up? Well, now you're like the hobo. Now you're like the hobo by the fire from the movie Dennis the Menace, just eating the beans or Mongo. In- First of all, <laughs> or or from uh or from Mr. Mom. Or from Mr. Mom. The- yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's not any hobo. That's Christopher Lloyd. You. That is you Christopher Lloyd, but he is playing a hobo, <laughs> a vagrant, a vagabond, <laughs> drifter. <laughs> Uh, number two, number two are the bowl game jackets. Oh yeah. Mm. The jackets are dying out because their power is dying out, but they still show up. And as someone who's up in the press box and sees this insaneness, it is literally that it is fucking insane. Who shows up in public in a bright orange jacket? Unless you are Lloyd from fucking Dumb and Dumber. And just like Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber, they're just handing out stacks of hondos. To and, everybody. And, that... and they're totally not good for shit. That's an IOU right there. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the the, the bull game jackets are, are, are a magnificent tradition. Um, and as much as I think we're the bulls are going to become even more obsolete than they were in the past... Look, they're never going to go away. Like the fucking the Duke's Mayo Bowl was is going to be there if there's a 16 team playoff or the old BCS format. It doesn't matter. Uh, those bowl games are still going to exist. Don't don't get it. Don't get things twisted. Uh, but the bowl jackets are fantastic. I want to know, do the Duke's Mayo Bowl guys, do they wear like a a white jacket or a mayo smothered jacket? Like at that. That hard glisten from uh, mayo that's been sitting out. I don't know. Uh, and then the number one all-time bowl, and Brendan being a part of the uh, of the religion industry, you're going to appreciate this. The Super Bowl. Uh, since the creation of the summer, of the Super Bowl uh, by the NFL, churches nationwide cannot help themselves with a pun of having a Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday uh, serving soup that is not side of bread. It is inside like a, a very styrofoam bowl. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've I've won my office Super Bowl competition four years running last year, notwithstanding. We have a we have a soup herbal cook off every year and I win it every year. <laughs> so yeah that, that's my number one all time because i still laugh i laugh like i see that joke for the first time every time i see a uh church's side up around the super bowl like join us on sunday for the super bowl like it does not it's not going away ever it is a 
It is now a thing. It is like it is dogma in most religions. Uh, so congratulations. All right, gentlemen, we made it through. We got some last uh, quality final thoughts here. Greg, what do you got to, to leave us with? Um, I just want to do a final plug for the UHND single high Notre Dame podcast. Um, that's three plugs in one show. That's three plugs in one show. Right. Four, if right. you, four, if you count my over reference to, um, to somebody three. talking about Jaden Thomas, one for every hour. Right. Frank, if you ever, Frank, if you ever feel shorted, you're not shorted on this podcast, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, so um, we got an episode coming out tomorrow. Um, everyone, give it a listen. It's not on. Uh, it's not on Apple Pods yet. They 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 like to wait. They like to make you earn it. Yeah, they like to make you earn it. So it's it's on Spotify at the moment. You can get you can get the R. I asked I asked for the RSS feed and it does work. So um, you can get you can get it. You can get that RSS feed. Yeah. So so do that. And, Second episodes are out today today being the 22nd and uh be nice be uh, be nice to dell and be nice to jeff quinn that's that's your uh that's i think that should be everyone's uh off-season task be nice to those guys i love that that's a thing it is a thing someone's got (laughs) we have to tell people you know it's funny is like i i have such like I I will ride so hard for Dell and for Quinn and for Amorian Walker too. Amorian Walker is my favorite person. <laughs> he really is, and you guys know how much his rise in the in the uh, in just the people how people feel about him. You know how what that's meant to me over the last week or so. So, <laughs> I mean, there's really not a better story, and that ha- and it has nothing to do with him. On the come up. <laughs> no. All right, Brendan, what uh, what do you got to leave with us tonight? Um. Yeah. So I just want to leave uh, with the message of so the college football playoff committee, I guess playoff selection committee, last week named a new member. Um, and it was former Notre Dame linebacker Rod West. He was on the 88 um, national championship team. He was a um, uh, he's been a member of the uh, board of trustee of the Hesburgh Board of Trustees for the better part of a decade. Um, he also was the uh, kind of circling back to flashy jackets. He was the president of the Sugar Bowl. And he's a member of the board of directors for the National Football Foundation. So this is a man that's played the sport, um, college football at the highest level, having won a national championship with Notre Dame. Um, he's been in charge of a major bowl game. Um, he's entwined with the university as a member of the board of trustees. Um, this is a guy who's part of college football actively. And last week, uh, when the news was announced, uh, Stuart Mandel of The Athletic um, decides to tweet out and, and granted Stuart Mandel has, um, you know, almost 200,000 followers. So Stuart Mandel decides to tweet out, quote, who can we find to fill the spot of this on the selection committee? 
it, end quote, and then quote, I've got just the guy. He's the president of a Fortune 500 energy company, dot, dot, dot. So Stuart Mandel, through everything that this man did, that Rod West did in his life with football, into the trash can, because he was successful in his business venture while serving at all of these positions and being a football player so he could dunk on the playoff selection committee and maybe Notre Dame as well. And why this is a problem is because Stuart Mandel tweets this out to 200,000 people who just, and that's excluding the retweets that he got. Um, just so what people who skim over his tweet, um, the perceptions now set. And so the playoff committee just hires people to be rich or, um, you know, fuck Notre Dame or whatever it is. When somebody retweets something and it's like snippy like that and it's to a link, um, it doesn't hurt to click the link and kind of read on it. Because if I the only reason I was sort of clicked on it and read it was because it said, you know, the the original link said that Notre Dame football student athlete. And I was like, huh, what? And then I read it and I was like, Stuart Mandel, you lying son of a bitch. What are you trying to frame here? <laughs> um, and it kind of I don't know. It really rackled me because it was like why would you go out of your way to like peddle this sort of disinformation when you're the face of the athletic college football right um so i guess my whole point is is like fuck Stuart mandel first and foremost that was disingenuous douchebaggery of the highest level um secondly uh congratulations to rod west for getting on the playoff committee um which Lisa has a story in the in the ready to go, uh, a a week delayed long story, uh, ready to go about it. Uh, do us do us better than the former guy with Notre Dame ties did, uh, Ty Willingham. And actually, they've kind of always had somebody with Notre Dame ties because they had Ty, and then they had Condi, and now they have uh, Rod West. And Notre Dame's always kind of had a. Uh, some sort of connection to the college football playoff committee. Um, so, but secondly, somehow, somehow Rod West is a, is a less than Condi. Well, yeah, but uh, yeah, sort of, um, but don't be like lazy web, lazy web, Greg, click links and read them. It's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's my third point. <clears throat> That uh, that's funny. Oh man, Lazy Web Gray. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. I, I like. I know. I know. I know, I know that guy. Best. We like. Well, lazy, there's lazy also Lazy Web. Greg. There was Lazy Web Josh the other day, but uh, I'm I'm afraid of check and field Greg's best, Greg. <laughs> Drunk and or tired Josh is probably uh, well. That's most times uh, is why Lazy Web Josh. <laughs> Um, my uh, my final thing tonight uh, isn't to fire Brendan for his obvious attempt at uh, giving me a heart attack over his Olive Garden takes, uh, but I do have a little bit of food talk to talk about just right quick, and I just want to make sure everyone realizes that this is a big country. And authentic is authentic in a lots of places. And the reason I say this is because I think I've had it up to 
fucking here. And I am like reaching to the fucking ceiling with my hands right now with Texans out there talking shit all the time about Mexican food. And in Indiana or in Ohio or Michigan, it's almost as if no immigrant has ever gone from 10 miles past the border up north and started a restaurant. It's almost as if you can't get any good Italian food anywhere other than fucking New York. And none of that shit is true. And it is the dumbest argument. It bothers me insanely. And I bring up the Italian because it's like, if you're going to say I can't get a kick-ass taco in Hicksville, Ohio, from Lapitas uptown, who is, I don't know, I'm not sure which part of Mexico they're from, but they are straight from there. And you know how you know, I know it's authentic? It's because they're selling rosaries behind the counter. That's authentic. <laughs> it, it's fucking excellent. But you know, my my grandparents were immigrants from Italy, and they moved they moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana. And actually, the best Italian food I've ever had in my life, outside of my great grandmother's kitchen, which is fucking amazing, is this place, this weird little place called the Italian Connection, which sounds like it belongs in a mall food court right next to Fazoli's, like a lower tier Fazoli's, but it is the best Italian joint. And that's what I'm saying. It's not like when people bitch like, oh, that's not real. That's not authentic. This is a massive country and people go all over the place for all sorts of reasons. And you know what? They take their food there. That's kind of how fucking food works. If you don't believe me, go watch a bunch of episodes of Anthony Bourdain. He'll tell you about it. I'm just saying, stop with the bullshit. Stop with the, yeah, RIP. Stop with the bullshit. You can get authentic anywhere that there are authentic people making the food. Stop with your bullshit. I've heard it enough. I ran into a Twitter. This is, I mean, we've had this conversation before with with people, but I ran into a Twitter conversation that I stayed out of the other day and I had to delete like 25 fucking tweets ready to shout out. And I'm just like, all right. I got a podcast. I'll bet you better on that. <laughs> so that's, that was it. it, it life, hack, life hack. You can cook your spaghetti noodles by putting them through a hot dog and boiling them in the same water at the same time. And it makes the best Christ. beef boulonnaise. If you use the all beef, <laughs> all, all beef uh, ballparks. <laughs> It just use a can, and if you use like a can of Campbell's, uh, Campbell's tomato soup, and just don't put Jesus. the milk in there, so it stays thick. Uh, it's basically uh, like the old world. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> God damn it, Brendan! God damn it! We gotta go. It's it's been three hours. We've had you've had your fill of the fucking Olive Garden. Good luck at the toilet. As always, for Brennan, for Greg, for Jude sitting at home counting votes and counting uh what's he counting? Oh he's counting dead bodies. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. For all of us, thanks for listening and as always, go Irish. <laughs> <laughs>